On this episode of the Peter Panda Podcast, we have the absolute honor of sharing a few sheep camps with unlimited bighorn hunter and world-renowned wildlife artist, Tim Schinnebarger. Now, I'm fortunate to call Tim a close friend, but maybe more importantly, one of my most respected wilderness hunting mentors. For decades, Tim has thoroughly explored the rugged Absaroka Beartooth wilderness, where he and his family have successfully hunted Montana's famed unlimited bighorns. Whether you're familiar or not with this wicked place and the unique hunting opportunity it is home to, I promise, Tim and his well-told stories will absolutely blow you away. Sit back, listen up, and take some notes. You're about to hear from an absolute legend, Tim Schinnebarger. Probably familiar with headsets like this from flying in bush planes. Yeah, that's what I didn't even know that's what you guys. I didn't know you guys had a headset on. Yeah, you probably yeah. thought we were about to get in a Cessna or a Super Cubs. Yep. I noticed a uh, a theme of the places you spent time. So we're in your home right now, outside of Billings, Montana, and we just spent the morning at your studio, which is even further outside of town. I imagine between these two places, you spend the majority of your life. For when, sure, when mostly not, at the studio. <laughs> when you're not sheep hunting. Uh, but what I noticed was both places have a world-class view of the Beartooth Mountains. It, and that was perp- on purpose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I met my wife uh, down in Gardner, I had no intention of ever coming back to Billings. Is that right? I mean, it was like, hell no. And, um, and so when we came back here, and of course we just thought she was going to be here a couple of years for nursing school, uh, but then we realized, you know, the opportunities. Yeah. And also running a business, you know, being able to get on an airplane, uh, fly to a show, do whatever I need to do, have photographers, all that. So I, anyway, billing billing started to make sense, but I had to have a view of the mountains. It's a if tough I was going to live in them, I had to look at them. So. It's a tough reality for a mountain man to accept. Oh, like, I, I oh there's sp- actually some benefits to being in town. <laughs> I spent my whole life trying to get out of here, you know. <laughs> I, I, we moved here when I was in um, – uh, let me think. Must have been about fourth grade. I was, I was born in Great Falls, and we lived in Lewistown for a while. And so, you know, growing up in Billings, going to high school here, going to college here, I I was counting the minutes till I was up in the mountains. You were ready to you were ready sure. to put uh, Billings in the rearview mirror. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 56 now, and uh, and it looks like I'm going to spend the duration here. So. <laughs> well, I think you got a good thing going that. Uh, tour you gave me of your studio and your shop out there was just mind-blowing to me um yeah it's real peaceful out there it's extremely peaceful i I think i said walking out the door i was like i could just i live right here leave me here um but it's you feel like you're in a wildlife art museum a taxidermy shop a western history collection it's just so beautifully put together and it's it's your creative physical space to do what you do yeah and that's um you know just kind of who i am uh i've always uh oh back when i was a kid uh, my dad and mom took me to you know like the russell museum when i lived in great falls i uh, started to get interested in art and wildlife and then um my dad had work down in Denver, so we went to the Museum of Natural History in Denver. Hmm. I fell in love with taxidermy. I started looking for books, and I found a book uh, probably when I was about 10, and it was called My Way of Becoming a Hunter, and it was by Robert Rockwell, and he was a museum taxidermist for the uh, 
American Museum of Natural History. Like a species collector. Yeah, he was there during the heyday when, you know, about 100 years ago when they were doing expeditions all over the world. Killing everything in sight and sending it it back to get And then creating those beautiful dioramas. Um, Mm -hmm. And to this day, there's... uh, you know, the taxidermy being done is awesome, but it's still not as good as the stuff in that museum. Um, Carl Akeley, all those guys became my heroes, and I read every book I could. And uh, then uh, about age 13, Dad completely ruined me. He took me into the deep backcountry, into Slough Creek. Oh, no kidding. On a full-blown pack trip. Mm-hmm. Took me out of school for 10 days. Said, you're going to learn more in 10 days back here than you'll learn in school. And you go on elk hunting with your dad? Yep. Yep. It was... Uh, just a you know total uh, backcountry elk trip and um, and for a 13 year old that was I mean pivotal it was piv- uh, from that moment on I just couldn't get enough of it and um, I've so I've spent my whole life trying to spend as much time as I can back there oh you, know, you, you get your days in that's for sure you're an extremely accomplished uh, wilderness sheep hunter unlimited sheep hunter and sheep hunter across North America and everything in between i'm looking at a 370 class bull here in your living room <laughs> um i was first an elk hunter i mean dad you dad, were. dad took me back there i got hooked um he shot a six point bull that year uh literally right in front of me um uh, we were we were just riding up a trail and he was bugling and uh, we got charged i mean literally charged by a big bull come ru- we didn't know he was there there must have been paralleling us in the timber. Yeah. And we got in close to his cows by accident. And that bull charged us. And no dad way. shot it at about 40 yards. Self-defense, man. Literally. And, I mean, I think he saw and heard the horses. And, and uh, from that moment on, I couldn't get enough of elk. And so, uh, you know, later on down the road, I was, a, I was a hell attack firefighter for a few years down at Ashland. Uh-huh. Uh, met some real cool rancher friends hell, down there. Say that again. Uh, I was with the BLM fire crew out of Miles City. It was an interagency crew, so we were on the forest down at Ashland. I, fl- I was a hell attack firefighter, so we had a helicopter, and they and then three pumper trucks. Yeah, there's 15 of us, three ma- five three-man squads, and uh, we had a little Hughes 500 helicopter and three pumpers, and mm-hmm. so we were initial attack. And so, uh, you know, I was there for. It was really actually worked out really cool. I was there in 88 when the big fires hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, um, oh, I can't remember. We had 44 starts in one day down there. Oh, my God. Hundreds of fires. Little, Lots of little fires. Some went big. Uh, I think the second fire I went to was the Big Pines. Went to 60,000 acres. Um, wow. Down at Camp Crook. So, anyway, I got lots of really cool experience down there. But what that did was led me, it put me in a position to where I could get in with the Forest Service at Gardner uh, towards the end of the 88 fire season instead of quitting and going back to college. Uh, Full-time career. They were looking for anybody that would come work on the rehab crews that fall. And I wanted to get back into that wilderness again. And so I went down, got a job right out of the shoot. I was in Cook City. And um, and then that opened the doors to be in so the wil- wilderness ranger the following year. Yeah, that's what that's what I want to talk about. Uh, what age is this? Um, the first year I was a wilderness ranger, so I was eighty-eight. I was uh, twenty-two, young man. Um, in eighty-nine, I became a wilderness ranger out of Gardner and uh, was assigned to Cook City. And what that's a, what when the place. sheep thing really took off because I. 
I had read and kept track of, you know, I'd grown up around all these old timers that had hunted sheep in the Beartooths. And I, I had big ears. I listened to <laughs> everything I could gather I would, you know. That's and, right. And they had killed rams around Cook City, but it had been a long time. It was like the early 70s. Hmm. And I thought, well, why aren't they there now? And so I started scouting, and sure enough, I found 10 rams. And um, two were nice, big, old, eight-year-old type rams. Uh, it was a couple smaller legal rams and then six real small rams. Uh, but anyway, I, they weren't really in the area I was patrolling as a ranger. So I would. So what did that job look like? You, are you riding around on a horse patrolling the wilderness side um, of things, the forest side of things? If we went to the to the west into Slough Creek in that country, yes, it would be on a horse. But I was assigned to the High Lake country around Granite Peak, you know, uh, the Arrow Lakes, that that stuff. And that was 10-day hitches with a backpack. I was going to say, you got to walk your ass And I had never backpacked before, really, vir- virtually hardly at all. And so I'm, I'm not – well, I'll look back at it now, and I was wearing Hawthorne Packers. <laughs> My feet had calluses on top. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I mean, I was not set up for that at all. But And you couldn't stop. I mean, you stop and rest, the mosquitoes would just eat you alive. And so it kept you going, you know. That's incredible. And, um, so anyway, I would spend a 10-day hitch uh, patrolling the lake country, cutting trails and, you know, all the stuff a wilderness ranger does. Are you by yourself? By myself that year. Um, and then I was, sta- you know, I had the ranger station at Cook City to live in. And so the other four days, you know, I'd be 10 days on and four days off, I would scout sheep. <laughs> and I was just all over, you know, and I found those 10 rams. And so I just made it a point of relocating them every chance I had. And every I, free moment you were Yeah, anytime I could, I'd get up there and start looking again. And I found them seven different times over the course of that summer. And I kept marking an X on the map every time I'd find them, you know. And um, and I wasn't seeing anybody else. I, nobody was out scouting. And I thought, shoot, I Cook City is the forgotten land, you know. Let me ask you this. Uh, how have, the, have the Unlimiteds and the Beartooths always been unlimited? Um, I don't really know that as we know it today, the deep, deep history. I do know guys that hunted back when it was all one unit. It started, well, I know, th- I know the Beartooth started, um, and I can't tell you for sure how many units there were, but you could literally go into the woods over on Paradise Valley and come out at Red Lodge. And I know guys that did it in the old days, old timers, um, that would leave Mill Creek and backpack to Cook City. Why couldn't you do that today? Well, you couldn't. You wouldn't be in the same unit. It was all one oh, unit. Oh, I understand yeah. what you're saying. I thought and there was no limit. Uh, if I remember right, it was just legal ram. That was it. It's a free-for-all. And, but there was no quota. Guys couldn't find them. I mean, it was, you know, well, they're starting a Mill Creek walk to the Red Lodge. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of one guy in particular that did that. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, we're talking about what, a 50-mile <laughs> Oh, hundred, <laughs> a hundred miles stretch of the most rugged wilderness. Yeah, I know one guy that did that. And, wow. Um, and but you know most guys, of course, I would say you know back in those days, a lot of the guys, they just bought a sheep tag and they went elk hunting, and they had a sheep tag sure. with them. Um, there was a few real serious guys, and of course Jack Atchison Jr. He's the he's he knows uh, Bill Butler and Jack Atchison are the two that I know that they. They probably Jack, I'm sure, knows the full history because he, his dad hunted it, and then he hunted it. He guided it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack probably guided to 
uh, I'd say I don't know for sure what his number is, but like 50 rams. That's the number I've heard. Yeah, I mean it's and he's killed several. And um, when I was younger, you know, when I started getting interested in it, I'd call Jack, and um, and then I got to meet him, and we got to be friends, and and I'd I'd pick his brain, and you know, you know, he would tell me to get aerial photos and study them and look for grass, you know, quit. They can't eat rocks. Yeah, they can't eat rocks. <laughs> you know, the old, you know, he he was real, you know, he just you know give me those pointers that I needed, but for the most part, you know, I was seeing sheep occasionally when we were hunting elk, and I started to figure it out. And, uh, prior to your uh, prior ranger to, stint, prior to going to Cook City, and I, I always when I got the assignment to go to Cook City, I thought, here we go, because you know now I'm going to be working right there. And um, you were pumped on it, and I didn't, but I didn't know what I was going to find because I hadn't heard of anybody hunting them there for a long time. Now, well, it turned out there was a lot of guys hunting them there. Opening day, there was people everywhere. Even I'd found the these ten Rams, and wow. opening day, I look around the hell. There's orange guy. There's guys everywhere. Wow. Uh, camps and you know a lot of them were hunting elk but there was there was quite a few hunting sheep too and, and in fact a couple outfitters even and so I'd found these rams well uh, the day before season we went out kind of took a look see I'd been a will I'd quit my job they wanted me to stay on through the early part of the hunt because they wanted wanted us to go patrol the the main area over in Hellroar and Slough Creek okay Buffalo. and I said no I'm 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 quitting I'm gonna and then I'll go back to college as soon as the hunt's over and um in those days it was on the quarter system i think school started like the end of september okay and so day before season a buddy of mine came up my dad came up he had a moose tag uh so we were kind of under the gun because he wanted to go hunt moose but i had found these rams well i hadn't seen them for a couple weeks because i had been over in slough creek on patrol um, putting up bear poles and um i hadn't seen them for like three four weeks since mid-august and uh, my buddy went out He's looking for elk. He finds six rams. And they're not where I'd been seeing them. Six of your ten? But I'm sure it's six of the ten. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm like, oh, crap. You know, it's not looking good. I wonder where the other four are. So I just hit it hard. And I went and I basically hunted where all my exes on those, you know, you know all the places that I'd seen them that summer. I basically made a point I was going to look at all that opening day. Yeah. And about two in the afternoon, I was just coming around to the very last spot, last basin to look into. And there's four rams, the other four. <laughs> the missing and The, the six piece. that he had seen the day before, the reason I didn't go after them, they were right in the middle of the elk. And I thought, hell, huh. opening. There was a six-point bull and a bunch of cows right off just to the side of them. Same mountain. I thought, hell, every elk hunter around here is seeing all this. That's not going to play out. I said, well, I'm not even going to go over there because it's going to turn ugly. You know, they're <laughs> going to go in the timber. And if I mean, maybe somebody's got a sheep tag. And so I didn't even bother. Um, so I, just, I thought the other four got to be there. I'm going to go look for them. And it panned out um, about two in the afternoon. I get them spotted. You know, I'm wearing cotton shirt, Hawthorne Packer boots, cowboy hat. I'm, I got 44 strapped to my hip. I mean, There's we're, a we're talking. There's a famous photo of you. <laughs> yeah. There's a famous photo of you with this first unlimited ram of yours. In uh, which book is it? Uh, uh, it's probably the first great rams. But, great, uh, first great rams. Book. Yeah, um, I didn't even have a backpack. I mean, I just had my knife, <laughs> and I probably had a granola bar in my pocket or Snickers, you know. Uh, I mean, it was the, it was the old hike. days, you know, and I think I had a fanny pack at war back in those days that carried something. But uh, I bet it was very functional. <laughs> I should bring those back. Oh, I know. It's oh, anyway. But uh, I spot them, and they're in a you know in a spot where I just can't get to them from where I'm at. So it's about a two three hour deal. I got dropped to the river, you know, to the creek bottom, and then come back up a shoot under them, mm -hmm. and. Um, so it's all afternoon 
and as I'm crawling up that chute, you know, I'm thinking, hell, they might, they're laying down when I saw them, so, you know, who knows, they were laying out in the scree, and as I come around, you know, you know how it is when a, the mountain kind of bellies out, and you're just kind of creeping along, just trying to see a little more, a little more, mm -hmm. well, pretty soon I can see the top of horns, and I'm like, oh, yeah, got them, and um, so I keep creeping, well, all of a sudden, the wind shifted, and they're up, and they're running, Oh no! just like scalded cats. They're running oh, no. straight up the mountain, and my heart is just, all of a sudden, my heart is beating. I'm like, oh, it's, it's all flashing before my eyes. I'm I like, they're it. gone. I throw up. I'm shooting an old 30-06, old Ruger Model 77. Yes. I threw it up. I fire. Nothing happens. They just keep running. And I'm like, oh, I jack another one in, and pretty soon that, that ram does the old up in the air, and over he goes. The old, uh, and you know, ass over tea kettle roll. Yep. And, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was such a huge huge relief and i hadn't i walked up to him and i hadn't been there 10 minutes and i look up on the skyline and another hunter topped out would have seen him do you believe it was a sheep hunter it was i know it was actually a guy with uh it was a, a kid a guide and a guy uh, uh the young guy that was guiding him was a guy that his dad actually worked with my dad and so mm. later on we talked about it connected about it yeah. and he said yeah we had to you know but they were they were still out of shooting range but it just goes to show you you know, I had thought I had this country to myself, and it was, you know, it was just like all of a sudden panic time. <laughs> and for that reason, I kind of got away from hunting Cook City <laughs> after that, yeah. you know. If I'd have known better, I'd have went right back in there the next year because they ended up killing more rams out of that band. Mm -hmm. For the next couple of years, they were catching them right there around, you know, around those areas. I'm sure, yeah. And uh, so that and was, those, you know, in those days, there was no weight. There was I no went, weight. I went hunting the next year. No weight. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, there was no, yeah, so you know, now, today, if you're not familiar with sheep hunting in montana uh if you kill a sheep you have to wait seven years to even apply again um if you draw a tag if you draw a limited entry sheep tag that rule applies to you whether you kill one or not the unlimiteds have just a little bit of forgiveness in them to where you can buy the unlimited sheep tag every year but once you fill it fill a tag then you're you are out like a normal yep. sheep hunter yep um, but there was no weight back in the eighties, huh? No, that, there was a period where there, I think there had been a weight, if I remember right. And then they did away with it for a while. And I might have that wrong. Um, but yeah, during that, that period. So in 1990, that was 89, 1990, I, I decided, well, I want to go where there's no people. I'm tired of this crap. You know I mean? There was, there was guys everywhere cause I was right off the road, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I, we were using horses, but we were right off the road. And um, just to go, get back to that a little bit, just to tell you how, what a you know tenderfoot I was at that time. I cut that sheep in half, and I packed him over my back down to the mule. I didn't have a backpack. I seriously did not. I mean, I had, there's a picture of me, too. We got a picture where I've got him by the horns, and I've got him over my back, and I'm going down to the mule. <laughs> Just lopped in half. Just lopped him in half. Uh, like the eighth vertebrae or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, the mules, they were down in the timber. We couldn't get them up into that scree, you know. And so, um, and that, that outfitter, I remember him telling me later, he says, yeah, I could hear that mule down there squalling because that mule, I'd left him tied by himself. And he says, it sounded like some alien was down there in the timber because we were up there for a couple hours getting that sheep cut up. Were know? the grizzlies <laughs> as bad? around 1990 as they are today no not even close um i did see a giant god great big grizzly that day um but that would have been a rare sighting it, 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 you know if you saw in september you might see 
in say a 10 day trip you might see a handful of grizzlies just because they were out in the white bark pine mm -hmm. but you could go at high elevation yeah visible. if so if sheep hunting where you're glassing a lot you might see them but uh, you could go elk hunting for a couple of years and not even see one sure or you could or you could you know, it's kind of catching, you know, hit and miss. You'd, some years you'd see a bunch, and other years you wouldn't see any. Well, it's not miss anymore. No, no, anymore. Um, it's pretty much guarantee. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, you, know, you see grizzlies all the time. Daily. Yeah. Almost. And, yeah. and even worse in Wyoming. You know. Is that right? Thicker yeah. to the south. I had that area four tag um, uh, in 2018. We were out for 21 days. Yeah. I figure we averaged two, three grizzlies a day. It was it, not always not always every day, but some days you saw six. six or seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, do you have any close bumps with them? Oh, a ton. Yeah, we they we were running into them on the trail, nose to nose. You know, they turned them around. I know sheep hunters that have just been sitting at their glassing nook, you know, on a rocky outcropping or something, and just like gotten up to take a piss or move to see have a different angle, and come face to face with them way above tree line up there. In the rocks. Oh, absolutely. When, especially in that country, they're mothing. Is that what it so is? So that's why they're so visible. Their feet um, on When I rocks. shot my ram uh, in there on the 19th day of hunting, uh, he literally rolled. He, there was a grizzly in the draw right below him when I shot. He was waiting. I mean, it, he was mothing. He didn't even, <laughs> wasn't paying. There was rams right above him, and they, they were all just, yeah. you know, the bear was down below digging. And, and there was, I, th I can't remember now, it was like a dozen rams there. And well, they weren't paying any attention to him. They were up the mountain from him, and well, a lot ha happened between that first <laughs> that first uh, ram that you killed in the late '80s, and that Wyoming tag that you pulled um, just in relatively recent years. Yeah, um, you know, there for a while, then kind of in the mid '90s or early '90s, I started guiding for outfitter down at Gardner for elk, and kind of got sidetracked i didn't get to hunt much myself hmm. uh, but that's when i met roxanne and um and then of course you're dealing with her getting into college and uh, her schooling and all that and and so we didn't really hunt sheep much until about um 2000 we started getting real serious wanting to hunt on you the did it again but all that time you know you're always listening you know i'm always gathering information and listening to all the old timers you know where they had gotten yeah. sheep where they where sheep move, talking to every biologist I got a chance. You know, I'm always, always just gathering information and learning the mountains. I, you know, as a kid, I remember going up, you know, my first time probably up on Iron Mountain um, and looking off across all that vast country, and I wanted to see it all. Yeah. And I just made up a, my mind I was going to see every bit of it, and I have. Yeah. Over time, incredible. one way or another, for a re that is know, one reason or another, whether guiding or explored every stranger. every drainage in there well and over all that time you just you just learn you know kind of what's going on with the sheep you know, there's a lot of migration routes there's a lot of different things happening uh some of it's just completely random but for the most part that's there's kinda a reason that's kind of how i feel about it yeah <laughs> you, <laughs> you know there's a lot the more there's a lot more uh uh there's a lot more um consistency to it than most guys realize i mean right you got sheep migrating out of the park you got sheep coming up and down from wyoming yep um anyway you start to kind of figure all that out and you start to figure out where the, where they like and what the grass is and, so you got back into you kind of refocused your interest in uh, unlimited rams around 2000 again. Yeah, 99. I went on my first doll sheep hunt. 
Oh, uh, went to Alaska with my dad. Where'd you hunt uh, up there? Went up in the Wrangles, and um, and I got a ram. Um, trying to think of the name. I think it's a Shushana Glacier, if I remember right. But it's near the town of Shushana. Mm-hmm. Um, hell of a hunt. I mean that, and that's what lit the fire. You know, it's get well, you already a sheep hunter. It yeah, well, but but that but yeah. that really then it was like because Alaska was like a whole, you know, just Next so level. vast and so wild. Yeah. And, and that area was kind of in the rain shadow of the Wrangles, and you saw a lot of sheep. I mean, it was nothing to see a couple hundred a day. Holy smokes. Um, so it was, you know, it was like it just really lit the fire. Well, then we, you know, come back, and, of course, you can't afford to go do that kind of stuff all the time. So Unlimited is right here. <laughs> and and, the, and it had more time. What's the tag cost us as a resident? 20 bucks. Back in those days, it was 75 More. Yeah, I think. Or maybe, actually, maybe today it's like 150 Now it's 125 isn't it? I haven't bought one. No, I buy years. one every year and I just pay it and I forget. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, I've uh, been buying, I've, I'm in the wait, you know? Yeah, I do it, well, I do it online with all my other stuff and yeah. it's just lumped together, but, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's 125 It, it, it might is. be more now, but, uh, it in is. those days I think it was 75 um, and, um, anyway, you know, Roxanne wanted to go try, her, her grandpa had killed a, a nice ram that back in the 60s and she had in, on the Absaroka end of things yeah yeah he killed it on the gardener end um in the hellhorn drainage mm. uh back in, his his dad was an outfitter in there yeah you were just yeah. explaining R- roxanne is your wife and an awesome super cool lady uh some of you might have met her at sheep show once upon a time <laughs> or something hanging out with tim um yeah she's tougher than me which <laughs> well her sheep hunting resume might support that <laughs> she's become quite an unlimited hunter along with you through the last 20 plus years uh but she's got real deep roots in the gardener area yeah said. her um her family on one side goes clear back to the gold mining days of virginia city uh they were some of the first ones into gardener uh, as gold miners and then literally before it was right about time it was being turned into a park and uh, then uh, on the Johnson side, uh, her great-grandpa, let me think about this, her great-grandpa was an outfitter. He started maybe in the 30s, I think, and he was in Hellroar and Buffalo Fork, all that country. And then her grandpa was a cattle rancher in Tom Minor. Oh, and, wow. Um, but he went hunting a lot, and uh, he, he, he got some, I know he got at least one ram. Um, his friends got a couple with him. Uh, but we're talking back in the days of 30-30s, you know. Yeah, in the timber. Lever, yeah, lever, lever actions. Action. I mean, finding them in the trees. <laughs> yeah, you got great old photos of them. You know, uh, cigarettes hanging out of their mouths and their wool co- coats. You that know, is and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so Roxanne had grown up, you know, looking at her grandpa's ram on the wall, and and she wanted to go try. And I'm thinking about oh one, I think is when we started getting pretty serious. Um, we went to the, that year. I went with my dad to the conga cut. I was just a packer. What's uh, the Conga Cut? Conga Cut's a river that flows out of the brooks okay. uh, into the northern Alaska. sea. Yeah, I hunted doll sheep. Um, I was just a packer with him. He didn't get one, but his friend got a really nice old ram. And so I've been going on these hunts and then started uh, getting serious about the Unlimited. And I'm trying to remember now, Roxanne 02, uh, she was between jobs. The surgery center she was with was uh, she was moving to a new one, and she ended up with about a six-week period off uh, from about mid-August till October. And so we just thought, hey, this is the year. Perfect opportunity. Let's put all our eggs and, you know, just hit it hard. And uh, 
I think we put in about two weeks of scouting in August, full full on, just every day. And we didn't find any. We saw a few. We saw a few rams, uh, like the first day, and that was it. Well, that sounds like a pretty good yeah. sheep hunt. <laughs> Typical deal, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so by opening day, we're like, well, crap, we don't even know where to go. We we've been scouting all this time, and we don't know anything more than we did when we started. Yeah. And uh, I remember. Uh, you know, you and I have talked, and I've I've got that saying. I know it's not politically correct, but <laughs> it's called going full retard. And, yeah. and I'm a, I'm gonna tell you why how that started. Well, we kept running into this old outfitter, Denny Chapman. Yeah. Run into him on the trail, and he had fishermen out in August, and uh, he was seeing us everywhere. You know, we'd be over here, and then we'd be over there, and we'd be you know just looking and uh, going out for three, four nights, and then coming back, go to another spot. Well, it's about just about opening day of elk rifle and so he's in town getting his hunters yeah and we're in town i think it's snowed a little and we're we're in town getting cleaned up trying to figure out what we're going to do opening day because you know, we haven't found any sheep you're like i know a lot of places not to go yeah and we walk across the street and here comes denny across the street and he's in by now we've gotten to know each other pretty good you know running on, on, on into each other on the trail and uh he says well where you been lately and I, I pointed it up and i said well we had just been on sunset peak the day before right above silvergate mm -hmm. right on the park line mineral mountain a little basin in there the sheep use um and i pointed up there and he looked at us and he says are you too retarded <laughs> <laughs> i think he he'd always you know everywhere he went was on a horse you know and uh so ever since then we whenever we go do something really crazy we say well we're going full retard <laughs> which is just a politically incorrect way of saying uh we're all in but the reality you is do if, whatever you got to do the reality is if you're going to hunt these sheep you got to be a little touched so. well, you're not you're not wrong i mean in its own twisted way that that phrase really does resonate with anybody who has spent any time in there it makes sense yeah it's like hey this it's a very, if I was to describe the wilderness area, I would say it's very uninviting. It's very uh, void of life most days. Um, it it can often be a depressing place <laughs> to spend days. Yeah, especially if the weather goes bad and, you know, those bear tooths are nothing but a bunch of big granite boulders and you get a little rain. Oh. And even just walking, because you're on top of those rocks, and they're, some of them are the size of houses, and you're just constantly slipping off, falling on your ass. I mean, it, it, it can really wear on you and beat you up, but this is what keeps you going. There's a guarantee. You know, most time you go hunting, you don't know what's out there. Mm -hmm. But in every unit, there's a certain amount of sheep, and there's a guarantee there's old rams. No. Because they are managed that way. They only allow two taken. Well, there's a lot of them dying old age. And so you always know somewhere out there, there's some old rams. It may feel like you're hunting for Bigfoot, but you're not. You're you're hunting for a known mammal. Yeah. yeah. Like he, it, he, it does exist. They're in that unit somewhere. 100%. You know, and and you, once you talk to the biologist and you know what the, you know, what, their plan is they they manage for a certain amount of old age rams so you've formed a, a long strong friendship with the longtime biologist of oh, the sure. area yep yep sean can, yeah can you speak to that relationship and some of the things you've seen him do and his management strategy of the unlimiteds oh my gosh um he'd be a great guy to have on here for sure he's um you know he did his uh 
And right now, for some reason, Sean's last name is skipping me. <laughs> Stewart. Stewart, Stop. yeah. Stuart, Stewart, I, don't know why I was going to say Sean Peters. That's not yeah, Sean Stewart. Yeah, had a, a lockdown there for a second. But anyway, better hope Sean, he doesn't listen to this. Yeah. Like my, one of my <laughs> yeah, best friends. us a real hard time. <laughs> yeah, Sean did his, uh, I think he did his thesis on horn growth of sheep in the Beartooth. I mean, he's literally been involved with sheep in the Beartooth since his college days. And Sean is the longest running Montana wildlife biologist, fish and game biologist. Anywhere in the state. He's, he's been at it like 50 years. Wow. Um, Regional biologists yeah, don't usually last 50 that some long. years. Yeah. And so, uh, so he's been there forever. And, um, you know, you, and, you know, over the years between him and Jack, you know, you start to find out, well, you know, most units have around 125 sheep. Hmm. Uh, they're managing with, the, you know, with two rams being killed a year, there's going to be X amount of you know, rams that are going to die of old age and um are, are are you know very mature and so you know they're out there and you know, other than a few places like gardner they come and go from the park but mm-hmm. you know most of the beartooth they're there somewhere now some of them do go with excuse me go into wyoming for the summer so you get some migration yeah or maybe late season they slide into a winter range yeah out of the district but there's always sheep in every district and there's always old rams and so if you go with that it's motivating to hear you say that yeah well and i you know i I learned a lesson up in alaska um in the brooks range you know you think of alaska you think wow there's sheep everywhere well the first hunt was that way but the second hunt we only saw 13 rams the whole hunt still sounds like a lot so you have to scratch hard my sheep hunting experience is is pitiful i've seen very few rams throughout the unlimiteds in my time in there um and the one and only time i got to hunt doll sheep in alaska a 10-day hunt i only saw two rams yeah it can be that well that's when you learn that hey this sheep hunt is no cakewalk it's no. just that way all over yeah you know? i mean there's areas where yeah occasionally it but it's never easy and so then when you come back to the unlimited you start applying that that mindset that hey i'm not gonna see much yeah, because it, it's easy to mentally be like, I'm wasting my time. Yep. Especially if you're I'm used like, to elk this hunting. Isn't, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. I'm wasting my time. I should leave. Yep. It's easy. It's an easy place to walk out of. It's, you know, if you're used to Maybe elk hunting. Maybe not physically, but mentally to give up. Yep. If you're used to elk hunting and hearing some bugling and seeing sign and, you know, you're, you've got some sort of action all the time. Uh, this is not that. This is a, this is a long drawn out. It's like eating an elephant with a spoon. <laughs> it's it's i mean you're just it's gonna be one bite at a time you know and isn't uh, that what makes it it makes it what it is it is yeah and if you go at it though with that mindset then all of a sudden your whole you just treat it differently and it's kind of interesting but your luck kind of starts to change because you become a little more meticulous you you glass a little harder you you're not you're not mentally out you you know you believe yeah believe it's a doable thing and you and Roxanne in the last 20 years have certainly proven to us all that uh, <laughs> well, it is a doable thing. And those old rams do exist. There's several other guys that have done real well, too. Um, but anyway, back to 02, um, trying to remember how we, we hunted pretty much. We started getting into rams once they started moving. Um, after literally she went back to work and we were starting to hunt on weekends. And then we'd start seeing, you know, seven, eight rams a weekend. Is this a uh, hunting pressure movement or migratory uh, movement? Migratory okay. movement. So we started seeing sheep in Octo- early October, late September. Um, 
in those days 501 and 502 were still one unit mm. and so you had a lot of country to hunt and we kept a journal um just so people understand that it they're out there uh i think when it was all said and done we had seen 110 ewes right in that neighborhood and 30 some ramps over the course of all that hunting wow that's um, a that, that's a lot but all those rams were young um see there had been a huge die-off in 91 Bad related winter. to pneumonia or big what? winter no big it was winter. winter kill yeah big winter kill in 91 and that's one of the reasons 501 and 502 were joined um because 502 is really hurting and so he thought well, we'll just hook get the together. pressure off of yeah it. yeah and uh and so a lot of the rams were young they were up and comers from the herd growing back and roxanne she made up her mind she let go i'll bet she let go 10 legal rams there were six-year-old type rams she let them walk she was bound and determined she wasn't going to get one unless it was good. And uh, middle of middle of November, she killed uh, a hell of a nice 15 by 36 inch round. A November sheep? Yeah, middle of November. Wow, good for her. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> and that was nice like 30, 30 some days of, of, hunt, of scouting and hunting that very year. Nice because she was in between jobs, you know. Mm -hmm. So she had, she had the time. Yeah. And at this point in your life, you were no longer guiding but had created your career as a internationally known wildlife artist is that what you call yourself somebody said what, what's, the <laughs> what's the job title? i'm working at it <laughs> what's the job title um yeah wildlife artist um God, it just seems um, to, it seems to undersell it mainly bronze sculptor but um i'm getting back into painting and i had been painting a lot in those days um yeah, I think I was pretty much done guiding. Uh, Just to things had really taken off about the mid '90s is when my career took off, and so did that afford you the flexibility as well uh, to absolutely to hunt. Yeah, those I thirty could, days. You know, there. I could go work. Uh, you know, I mean, hell, I can work at night if I want. So mm -hmm. you know, those days, yeah, I just made up my mind. I'm going to hunt sheep, and it was kind of small world. Um, a couple of the really big name wildlife artists at that time were ken carlson bob coon um they're you know, i mean they're really top top of the heap i believe you won an award with bob's name in it yeah i did actually but anyway getting back to bob and ken had a dealer down in dallas uh, named bubba wood uh, martin wood and he was the it, this is how small the world is he was also the publisher of the first two great rams books oh really he was a sheep hunter and they had told him about me and I got into his gallery and then also along with some other real prominent <laughs> galleries one in Jackson and Bozeman and whatnot and my career was going really well but Bubba was also real big into sheep hunting cool and his best friend is Bob Anderson who wrote the great Rams books and got so it. at this time you know we're 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 also being you know you got these guys they're older and they're kind of been there done that and they're cheerleading you know it's like yeah, don't stay home and work in the studio. Get your ass out there and hunt. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, most of the gallery guys, they'd be like, you know, work, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, Bob, you know, I mean, he would call and, how you doing? How You know, and he, he just thought we were crazy going into the Baratus like that, that much. And <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was a small world. You know, here my art career was also hooking me up with, uh, you know, guys that had been in the sheep world for years. It, and, you uh, know, you want to say that that's like what a crazy coincidence but life's full of them yeah it's just the human experience of the things the people and things you encounter throughout your life and 
Yeah, you know, Bob, uh, or whatever. we got to know Bob so well over the years that when he calls, he leaves a message, says, this is your Uncle Bob. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, yeah, she got that Ram. And, and of course. So tell me about that Ram again. What, wh how, uh, how old and big is that sheep? That Ram wasn't, he's the only one that we've gotten that was under eight. He was seven. Um, is this but the, hev the heavy but one? But it's the heavy one up in the oh. there. He's he's 15 at the base, and he's about 30, if I remember, 35 or 36 on the curl. Big open curl, comes way back behind his ear. A lot of horn. A lot of, I mean, a hell of a nice ram. He doesn't look big from a distance because he's not, he doesn't have the big look, you know. He's he's way back. You said that about a couple of the He's way behind the ear. <laughs> well, he had a he had a ram with him that was a big, heavy double, double broomer that was old. Right. We wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave us a slip, and he took off, went way up on the mountain. There was about a dozen rams in that bunch, and uh, that's one thing. When you find an old ram, he's usually got his old buddies with him, and uh, oh, special. And so, you know, she really shot him because it was the one that gave her a shot. Um, well, it's a tremendous ram. I, I don't know anybody on god's green earth that wouldn't shoot that sheep <laughs> in the Unlimiteds, uh, and it's it's just a textbook uh wilderness timber ram yeah when you look at it you can almost you almost know where it's from um it's not, not specifically but what i mean by that and i'll let you explain this what makes an unlimited ram look like an unlimited ram uh they spend a lot of time in the timber and so just like those big black horned elk uh they're full of pitch you know they just sap the sap of the horn of the trees that they've been rubbing and um, and he had a real dark dark cape, real big chocolate ram, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, he's just got that old timber dweller look, you know. And do you, those sheep, you believe, evolved with darker capes and darker necks because they lived in the trees? I don't know. You know, I, you know, when we see a bunch up there, there'll be a couple dark ones and some light ones. You know, it seems like the older, usually the dark ones are older. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess if I was just to put your standard picture of a bighorn sheep out of a dictionary next to an unlimited ram, the unlimited ram is almost always going to be more chocolate, darker chocolate. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think you're right. And I always thought there was a correlation to that. It was like, yeah, it's a tim it's a timbered animal. Whereas if it a sheep that maybe lives more out in the wide open, it's going to blend into its environment being a lighter color. That's my very yeah, low brow uh, natural evolution. Could just be that they're out in the sun more and bleaching. Bleach too. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wyoming, you know, Wyoming Absorca rams are really the same thing. And, and uh, you know, all those sheep around Cody, all the way down through the Shoshone. You call that the Absorcas there? Yeah, that's all Absorcas. The Absorca mountains are um, everything from basically Dubois up to Cook City. Um uh, across well across to the Gallatin actually and then and then the Beartooth are the granite right that um the granite or they're two they're two they come together at Cook City geologically two very different mountain yeah. ranges it yeah. might seem like they just run right into each other and they do but the wilderness area is comprised of two different mountain ranges yep yep yeah, the, the Zorkas are real eroded rock and it's actually more dangerous um they're falling really they're just always sliding and trail sliding and it's more of like a volcanic yeah rock. real rock moving more yeah where the granite you know you can you know man you can get that'll out kill on, you in different ways you get on some pretty hairy stuff but it don't move <laughs> that's a really good point yeah um 
so there you go. Roxanne kills her first unlimited ram. You now at this point in your life have killed an unlimited ram and a doll sheep. Yep. And you didn't stop there. And yep. we'd sit here for a week if you told every hunting story <laughs> in order. Uh, but give me a, a summary or some. Uh, sure. Let's talk some of the highlights. Well, my dad um, went back to the. He has still hadn't killed his doll, and so in '02 he went north, went to the territories, and killed a real twister with Stan Simpson. And so now he wants to get an unlimited ram. And '04 um, Roxanne and I just really made it. We're going to scout for dad, and uh, spent I think a couple weeks in the summer found some rams up the boulder, and. Um, so we switched areas. We're in 500 now, and um, and ended up uh, getting him a really nice ram on opening day. It was a, one of them deals where we were fog and snow and other hunters and hmm. um, an eight-year-old, just a really nice ram. It was really cool because that had always been my grandpa's um, dream. Uh, he, they, my dad's from Central Minnesota, and grandpa had always wanted to come to Montana and go bighorn sheep hunting, and never did. And so dad kind of wanted to fulfill his that. own you father's. Bet. Yeah, so it was really yeah. cool. Um, there's a whole quite a story that goes with that one too. Uh, but then, uh, let me think. Uh, we started started scouting a lot in the winter because uh, I think that's about when the wait started. So Roxanne had to wait. Um, I could buy a tag. Well, anyway, about the mid 2000s, we're up on the winter range. Um, and a ram walked in front of the truck. <laughs> this ram had a big sweeping horn on the left. And I could tell he was young. I mean, I was like, I'm looking at it. You know, this ram's like 37 inches on the left horn, and he's probably six, seven years old. Whoa. And I'm thinking, holy crap. He's, on, he's on his way. Where did he come from, you know? He did something special. And so we kept, uh, we'd go back up in the winter. And, and at that time, quite a bit of 500 was still closed. It, they had closed a bunch of it after the winter kill in 91. And we thought, you know, maybe he's in that closed country. And uh, so we started going up there fishing in the summer. And in 90 or 07, uh, we're sitting in camp way up on the plateau um, with the horses. And I look up on this plateau and there's three rams. And place where everybody told me, oh, they never go there. <laughs> and I thought at a distance, I thought, damn, that looks like that ram. And the area is still closed. How much time had passed? It's been about a year or two. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and so we started, you know, talking to Sean, hey, when are you going to reopen this country? You know, and he says, well, what do you mean? I said, we're starting to see sheep in there. And, uh -huh. and he, he'd been opening it up little bits at a time. And 08, he opened it. And I thought, well, we need to get in there and hunt. And we found them, 12 rams together. Whoa. Um, that big one was with him. And by then he's starting to look really good. And um, there was a couple other big rams and a bunch of little guys. The first time we saw them, they were out on a snowbank. And so we got a really good look. We were a long ways away, but got a really yeah, good yeah. look. Yeah, yeah. You could see the, the detail of the horn structure pretty and good it, against that white. And at this time, nobody's in there because it hasn't been, it, it hadn't been hunted much in that area for maybe 20 years. Hmm. Uh, it, he had just finally reopened it. Plus, nobody had hunted it earlier because there just hadn't been many rams hanging in that area for some reason. Maybe because he closed it, they started using it. That sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we went after him that fall, and we um, it turned out that you know we had a hell of a time finding our way into that country because the downfall was just awful. 
and it worked we, you know we had a really good situation um, where we could go in with horses and then my dad would hang out in camp and watch the horses then we'd strap on the packs mm-hmm. and the downfall though was just horrendous and but we finally figured out how to get to the base of the mountain where we'd seen him and we climbed up there I had a friend of mine Dave Alaba was with me and then Roxanne and we just screwed up we walked right into him we, oh, just no. as we hit timberline we could hear rocks rolling and tr- and we got up on top and there's tracks and we you were like we were too accurate and, <laughs> yeah it, it they just happened to bed out on that knob that we climbed up ah. and uh they they dove off into an absolute hellhole and we never saw them again oh my God. and so that was that that was it i mean it, we had to go home as you know we didn't have we were we were out for about 10 days and then in 09, I, w- I was rebooked to go back stone sheep hunting. And uh, in that time, too, in 06, I'd had an unsuccessful stone sheep hunt. And so 09, I'm booked to go back stone sheep hunting. I only have so much time. And it's like, well, <laughs> you paid your money. Yeah, that's the priority. got to go for that. And uh, so Dave went back up. Well, that year was like 85 degrees on opening day. Mm-hmm. And there just was no sheep anywhere. Everything was in the timber. Uh, Dave spent about a week up there, never saw a thing. And so so we thought, well, 2010 came along, and we were, we're going to go back and try it again. And we went up about a week before season. Uh, my my tactics have always been to try to stay away from where I think the sheep are, mm-hmm. get on a distant mountain, and, walk, and, and just try to lay low, not, not be out there – you know a lot of guys will hike along and they'll look into every hole i i would rather sit on a mountain you know three four miles away and let the sheep show themselves sooner or later yeah because you know like what i had happened you 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 step on them and once you do they're in the timber you're not going to see them for a week hmm that's, and, that's um, cool yeah it's cool just, thing you've picked well, up one of those things that time. jack told me he says you know you're better off to get up and you know find you a good spot and sit don't don't be out there spreading scent and chasing things off you yeah. know and and uh, so we, well, anyway, we went up, this is, you know, three, four days before season, get up on the mountain, on the horses, looking across, and there he is, you're laying right across from us. And I thought, oh, he's, we got him. <laughs> we, we had like three days to wait. How many uh, Rams was he with this year? Uh, let me think. I think he was with three. What a saga. To like, I mean, but he's looking really big now. You now know. you think he's pushing like a 10-year-old? uh no he was 13 well, no this is 2010 trying to do the math yeah i thought he was uh, seven trying years to remember old. he was seven or eight um it must have been early 2000s anyway ended up he was 13 um in 2010 that's the year i got him and but we know more and put the scope on him it was like they knew we were looking we were miles away they get up they walk off right over the skyline <laughs> and and so i thought well they're they're back, still there they're back there somewhere yeah and so we just thought, well, we're just going to leave him alone. And opening day, we'll we'll hit that hard. And so we did. You didn't see him for three days. No, we uh, we were climbing the mountain, and and just I got to throw a little story in here because we were climbing up through this this god awful deadfall, like I told you, you know, and get up towards the top, and there's a little, you know, how it is. There's little trickles of water here and there, a little trickle coming off this rock face, and and it's going across this big flat rock, and I, I'm up there filling my canteen, and here comes Roxanne, and she. She just steps right on that water on that flat rock. Her her feet are up with her ears in a second, you know. Full, a, full pack. Not a good place to get hurt. Oh, she 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 lands on the ground and she comes up 
And I said, you all right? She says, no, my shoulder, something's wrong. I can see she was sweating. She's oh, dislocated no. her shoulder. Oh, no. Well, she's a nurse, and I'm like, hell, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm turning pale, you know. <laughs> I'm no help. And she goes over to the rock. She starts pressing her shoulder into the rock. She reset her shoulder by herself. Hardcore. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, you can tell me what to do. And she's like, you ain't no help. You know, she's, she, she, that she, makes she resets her shoulder well, all day. You know, we kept hunting and we never did. We got up where we could look into all the holes I thought they'd be in. Nothing. And um, all day she's hiking with a backpack and the shoulder's still kind of out. And I'd look back and she'd be sweating a little bit. And and she went all day. She, I mean, she's she's she tough. fanatic. And, um, but we never did, never could find him. Went back to camp. Dad's down at camp with the horses. And so we thought, well, we'll go back up on the other side, glass. Spent a couple of days. Um, can't really remember what the timeline was now, but anyway, <laughs> you lose track. Of time. Yeah. Anyway, we we um, trying to remember what day I killed that ram because I know it was the same. It was eighteenth, eighteenth, because the same day Kurt killed his ram. Oh, Kurt yeah, Roscoe. Yeah, Kurt Roscoe. He killed his ram over in the other part of the unit. And um, anyway, I sp- here they come right out of the hole we've been looking in. <laughs> They'd been there the whole time. Right the where they're supposed to be. They were right there. You know, so we had been right on them. You know. Another testament to And they uh, lay down right in the middle of the plateau. I mean, just like antelope now. And so we gotta climb we climb up around, get to where the we're you know, to where the wind's right. And we get out on the plateau and we're crawling. I mean it's like they're they're six hundred and I think it ranges six eighty five. There's nothing I could do with them. They're wide out in the wide far. open land there. And so we just laid there and pretty soon they got up. And they started working their way towards the rim. Well, we're we're kind of paralleling them behind some rocks, and um, I'm thinking, well, we're just gonna slowly but surely we'll, we'll work together. We'll work close together. To each other, yeah. Well, we pop up over the rock. Nothing. They're gone. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, for crying out loud, you know, where could they have gone? Because it's a sheer cliff off there, and we we crawl over there, and sure enough, they're down below us, about 200 yards feeding. Oh wow! On a little, just a little patch of grass. I mean, but they're straight off a cliff, and I'm thinking, hell, I don't know if we can get down there. Like, how did they get down? And, there? and I'm thinking, <laughs> and that's what's going through my mind is like, well, if they could get down there, by God, I can. You know, th- that's at a this point, thing to <laughs> I know. Yourself. And this this place where they're at, we've always called the hellhole, and we've always said we'll never go in there. <laughs> and we're looking down in there, and we're and and pretty soon, I'm just like, hell with it, I'm going to shoot him, and so. We'll, we'll I'm like we'll figure climber. we'll figure it out you know and so uh and Roxanne she's kind of like I don't know <laughs> and so I I, <laughs> I I I and I've and I didn't quite figure out the grade you know I, I I ended up shooting I'm trying to remember I hit low no I hit a shot over him the first shot you missed him yeah because you know straight off you know straight down and I held low but I shot over him Second shot, shot over him, and I'm starting to panic. And Roxanne goes, slow down and take it. You know, she's got her mind, you know, she's kept her mind, and she's like, slow down, take it easy. What are the sheep doing? They're kind of looking around like, what in the hell, you know, because and, and, I think, you know, they just didn't know where we were. And uh, third shot, he kind of does, you know, and I, I guided uh, literally hundreds of cow elk hunters, and when you when you get a heart shot, an animal will t- kind of do a jig, just kind of. Th- there's a vibration. A little shudder, yeah. Yeah, a little shudder, and he went straight up and out of sight, over the hill. And I thought, I told her, I said, "That's a heart shot." You're like, "That's a dead." She's sheep. dead, you know. And then the other two rams, 
they went over the hill, but that right away they come back and they come right up through the rocks right past us at cool. 50 yards. And one of them's a really nice ram. Well, now he's up on the plateau with us as he goes by it, like 50 yards. They don't know where we're at. And Roxanne says, should I shoot him? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> we got one down there. We got to figure out what we're doing here. That's a painful uh, <laughs> decision to make. Uh, you know, and, and it was one of those that you just, we, you know, almost every ram we've killed, we could have killed too. And we never have because you've got your hands full. You got to get out in 48 hours and get that thing checked. Yeah. Uh, f- let's finish up this hunting story, but then I want you to highlight what you do have to do after a harvest sure. with a limited ram. Well, anyway, well, that's when this thing kind of gets wild. We, we, we look over and I can see a shoot, just a faint shoot to the right. And I'm thinking, well, I think we can get down. There. Is that where those other ones came up? No, they came up right through the cliffs to the left. There's no way we could go where they were. Yeah. I mean, they're doing the mountain goat thing, hopping rocks and, and whatnot. So anyway, we start getting into that shoot. Well, right about this time, there's this big dark cloud coming over and it starts hailing. It quit for, hailed for a second. And we put on our raincoats and. We're standing there, and all of a sudden, I've been in, my first job with the Forest Service with the BLM was, uh, I I manned a lookout tower, Hmm. and I was hit by lightning several times, the the tower. The tower you were in. Okay, so I know what it sounds like when lightning's coming. When it starts crackling. Well, my my rifle barrel started humming, and when when the lightning's coming at you, when it's going to hit you, you'll hear a pop fizz, because it's leaving the ground. Right, right. Well, I heard this pop fizz, and I just, oh shit, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I flat, I just hit the ground flat, and my barrel, my rifle barrel was humming. It was on my backpack, and Roxanne's looking at me like, "What in the hell? <laughs> what are you doing?" And so I'm like, "I'm like, I could hear the lightning coming." I stood back up, nothing happens, you know, and I stood back up. My rifle barrel starts humming again. Oh my gosh! This time she hears it. We both hit the ground, <laughs> and the lightning does hit about. 100 yards from us i mean it just wham you know Whoa. your hair standing up and i thought holy crap god's pissed right <laughs> and so then it started to really hail i mean hard you know one of those were just pounds for about 20 minutes yeah we're in this shoot and what had been doable is now covered with two inches of hail and soaking wet dangerous and i'm and it's like being on marbles Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, holy crap. Well, it took us probably two and a half, three hours of just, I mean, hanging on by your fingernails to get down through there. To your life. The whole time I'm going down, I'm thinking, if something happens to Roxanne, I'm going to have to face her dad. You know, I'm apologizing. I'm telling her, oh, I wish I wouldn't have shot this ram. <laughs> well, we finally get down there, and everything worked out. We got down, and it's almost, you know, it's probably an hour from dark now. And we get over to where the rams have been standing, nothing. I walk over to the edge where he'd went, and it's like a 200-foot cliff. Oh, more of the same. And I'm thinking, holy crap, where the hell did he? I'm thinking, well, he's at the bottom of the cliff, and I'm looking off in there, and I can't see him. Because the other two rams, I, now that's why the two rams came back up. They didn't have anywhere to go. Oh. And I'm th- but then there's a, to the right, there was a whole bunch of them little Christmas, you know, them little tiny trees mm-hmm. that were really tight. And I thought, well, hell, he rolled into those. And we we combed through those, could not find him. And this I'm is start, stressful. starting to think, holy crap, where the hell is he? And now it's almost dark, and it's and it's starting to rain, and this is starting to turn into a well, we're going to be spending the night out. We ain't getting out of here, uh, for sure. And we knew that anyway. I mean, there's no way we're going to get that ram out in the dark. Um, 
and we're out of water and we need to get down to the big trees and build a fire because we're all soaking wet. Yeah, like this is not good. And, and I, I can't find the ram. This and is so going from sheep hunting to survival. survival. Yeah, and so we drop down a lake, fill our canteens, and we drop into the big trees and build a fire for the night. And, you know, you're laying there the whole night like, where in the hell did he go? He's got to be in those little, that thick, those little thick trees. What a sick. I mean, and we and it ended up being a nice night. The you know the storm blew over and built a big fire, and we just sat there all night. You didn't die of hypothermia. No, it was great. In fact, the stars come out, and it was you know it was, it, none of those nights are comfortable. You always think that sounds really neat, but the reality yeah. is it's cold as hell. You know, because <laughs> you you're, you the, the side by the you're trying to sleep and you roll. You always got to flip. Oh over yeah, like you're a, just like you're roasting a it's, pig. So it's a long deal, but uh, next morning we go up and we start combing those trees again, and I could not. I mean, he's not there. And about 10 o'clock, I'm like, crap, you know. And and Roxanne says, well, maybe he followed those two. And I said, yeah, but he's heart shot. I know he's heart shot. And so I cl- I start climbing up through the cliffs. And I got up the third tier, and here he is. Follow, followed him that exit route you saw him? Yeah. How he's, could you have missed him? He Well, we couldn't see around the corner. Oh, they oh. popped up, you know, into sight. I see. They had gone so up. About, there's like the ribbon spots cliffs there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, – Anyway, he'd gone up heart shot. I'm not kidding. That heart was blown up, and he had climbed. I'd never seen anything like it. I, what you, a warrior! You never would have. I mean, I wouldn't. I still don't believe it. But anyway, we found him, and he's that's where he was. And and it was a matter. Of, then it was it was literally a death march out of there. That was one of the nastiest places I've ever been. Is that uh, your biggest bighorn? Yeah, that was um, that was the ram that we had seen cross the road. In the uh, Ram you'd seen years before, and we'd seen the him road. off and on. Um, uh, he 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 would come into the mine in the winter, mm-hmm. and um, and he it, there was those sheep that were born and raised in that mine are habituated to the to the guys in the mine, you know, big trucks and all that. But then once they get in the backcountry, you know, fifteen twenty miles in, they're wild as hell. Very spooky. It's like they it's like they know, you know, and um, and we'd seen him, you know, right in amongst trucks and stuff in the winter. <laughs> crazy it's crazy to think this in fact sean the seven thousand feet higher in the most hardcore gnarliest wilderness pocket this the differences are so drastic for sure yeah. those two sean had sent me pictures of him even and uh, uh anyway we it was a death march out i mean off i mean i could go in on and on this was absolute hell zone um there was cliffs in the timber T- you know once we got in the black timber we were in you know in trees that were 200 feet tall and the cliffs were just as tall you didn't see them uh. in there and so you get you'd walk out onto a cliff and you'd look left you'd look right and as far as you could see it was nothing but cliff and you're like oh crap but there was elk tracks and elk crap and i thought well if the elk can get around here i'll figure it out Man, and you so got a crazy way of going about <laughs> justifying <laughs> your routes. Uh, we'll go uh, back up just a little bit. But I want to hear the end of the pack out. But uh, how big is the sheep? Okay, the the ram uh, after the sixty day dry, and I th- I'm thinking you know one seventy eight. I'm thinking this is a hell of a ram. This is gi- gigantic for, for the unlimited. Looks like a, a Boone and Crockett sheep. Well, I took him into Fred King, and he measured him up. And he made book by three eighths. He was oh actually one eighty two gross. And uh, and Fred's a tight taped man. Oh yeah, he's the, he's the one of the best. And uh, and I I mean I believe me, it wasn't ever on my mind. But um, to be able to to ha- be fortunate to be the one that happened to be in the right place, at the right time, the right ram. He was the biggest ram killed in the Bear Tooth since the seventies, and he's the fourth largest ever. 
and so no kidding yeah so i mean just he's the holy grail and and i just feel so fortunate has anyone killed one bigger than that since uh you know gardner produces big rams that, that, i don't um, include that yeah i don't so, think because that's that's different. in the 300s anyway but um yeah there's actually a book ram come out of gardner this year but um uh there's been even 190 class rams come out of gardner but out of the bear tooth the the granite rock country um i don't think anything i don't think anything has made book sense that's incredible yeah one you know really a 174 175 is a hell of a ram in the bear tooth yeah. I, I believe a 160 is a hell of a ramp. Oh, yeah, but uh, but I'm saying, you know, that's a top end. Yeah. Because you know, they generally don't get, you know, 14, 14 and a half, 14 and three-quarter inch bases. You know what I think is really interesting about the Veritooths is the previous archery world record. Yeah. Came. Tell me about that sheep. Um, I really don't know a lot about him. Um, trying to remember that guy's name. He's from Livingston. Uh, Tradbow, too. I know. Um, yeah. Uh, try guys. I know his name's on the tip of my tongue. Right on the tip of my tongue. I believe he just passed. And, and I've it. never, I never met him, but Bob um, had interviewed him, and, and a lot of people. I have a lot of mutual friends that knew him real well because of being at Livingston Gardner Country. Uh, but yeah, he shot that ram with a trad bow um, in 500, you know, somewhere, and, but in the winter too. I mean, and I think if I remember right, in the old days, the season might have even went into mid-December. Wow. And he was back in there on snowshoes. <laughs> you want to talk about getting, snowshoes getting her stick, done yeah that's what that's up. the story i heard i don't i don't know that for sure but well, i just uh, think it's i don't know any details about it besides it was for a time the archery world record bighorn killed with a trad bow from where else but the unlimited it's yeah. just not where you would have guessed yeah i think it was 1970 something if i remember right and yeah there's bigger sheep out there than people th i think maybe think yeah i th you know i a book ram, of course, is real rare, um, just because you need bases. And and what are the bases on yours? Mine was fifteen and an eighth, so wow. just a hair over f like fifteen. Now my friend Dave in twenty twelve, uh, he got a really heavy ram. I think his was fifteen and a quarter. Um, that's another ram that you know, that Dave I'd mentioned earlier. Yeah, is he got him in twenty twelve. Is uh, this his second ram? No, that's his his only one. Okay, and this yeah. is when you were stone sheep hunting. Um, no, he didn't get one that year. So I got that ram, the big ram, in 2010. Okay. And then in 2012, um, Roxanne could hunt again. Mm -hmm. And so we were up the up the river um, late, late. I mean, this was, I can't remember, it was towards Thanksgiving. No snow that year. Um, and there were still sheep migrating. And we saw a small ram with a little tiny ram up a big chute. And we thought, yeah, he's... Roxanne didn't want to shoot him, and he was legal. <laughs> and we thought, well, Dave, Dave, we better call Dave. And Dave had talked about going. He just couldn't get away. He's a rancher, real busy, shipping cows that time of year, you know. And, yeah. and I had my sat phone that night when we got to camp. I called Dave. I said, Dave, we saw a legal ram, but I, don't, I really don't know if you want to ride back in here. You know, six-year-old probably. And uh, he says, I'm on my way. And I said, I said, you sure? You're a he, hell of a friend. This is like 8 o'clock at night, okay? And so Dave and his wife Mary, uh, they jump in their truck, they throw their horses in, <laughs> and they sh they show up at camp about two. No way. And they said, well, you know, I, I said, well, you can maybe sleep for a half hour, but we've got to get going. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's way up the drainage, you know, where we need to be at daylight. And yeah. you know, that time of year, there's no daylight. I mean, you you're dealing with short days and sheep hunting. You need long days, <laughs> and uh, any climbing, you're going to need the day. And 
and so he they 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 slept for about an hour and we saddled up i I don't even know if they unsaddled their horses uh we took off and about to our ride and got up to where we'd seen him and we could see that little ram still up there a little kind of banana horn ram but i couldn't see the other ram but Which we knew, believe he's we knew there. he's there yeah. so we started climbing and uh oh we'd gone about mary stayed down with the horses watched them and we started climbing and we were up there oh maybe gone for an hour and roxanne's coming up behind me there again the nurse i hear this rip and i and i look over at her and her face breaks out into a sweat and I thought, oh crap here we go again what was that she says, I think I just tore a muscle in my ankle. Oh, my God. <laughs> or a calf, you know. She is sustaining some yeah, serious no. <laughs> back country. I mean, it was like he ripped Velcro, you know. You could audibly. I could hear, audibly hear it. And, she's, and, she, I said, and she says, well, I guess i got to keep moving because if I stop, it'll ball up and I won't be able to move. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We need to get off. And she's, no, hell no. There's rams above us. We're going. We're moving in on a ram. And right so we're, we just kept going. I'd look back at her, and she was just sweating and 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 uh, dave you know he's like you sure you sure and yeah and so we spent a couple more hours climbing and we got up into this little saddle and we look across and there's ram and we see a few more rams in the timber so now we know that hell there's more rams interesting well this ram that's standing out in the open is a good ram and i'm like wow where'd he come from you know and uh and dave's a you know rancher really good shot i mean he's shooting coyotes all the time and i'd never seen dave miss He's probably going to get mad at me for telling this story. But anyway, <laughs> and we, truth we, comes out. We crawl up to this little saddle, and it's, I range it 156 yards. I mean, this ram's dead. Yeah. You know, it has no idea we're there. And uh, and I'm I'm just, like, putting my range finder down, and boom, the rifle goes off. And I'm looking at him like, holy crap. You were a little heads up. I shot right over him. He, he missed him. He wasn't ready. I think he was, you know, just a guy, he got ram fever. I mean, here's a guy that's hunted all his life super you know super good killed lots of big elk and sometimes the easiest shots are the hardest right he put, and i'm like i thought he was aiming at he's i think he the gun might even went off before he even got it on him but he i don't even know i can't remember now but i'm i'm like well you you never miss you killed that ram i mean the ram goes out of sight to the right behind some rocks and i'm like well he's dead there i mean surely i mean dave doesn't miss right and dave's like i don't think so. i think i missed and pretty soon I could see rams coming out above us up in this burned tree uh, timber. And, uh, and, uh, and there's two of them that look just like the one he shot. Oh my. And they're, they're, I mean, they're twins and they're big old rams. And I'm like, Oh crap. And I can see none of them. They're no blood. There's nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and we're trying to decide. And Dave's like, I, I missed, I shot over him. And I'm like, are you sure? And I said, well, they, they stop and look back at us. I said, well, you better make up your mind right now because this is it. That's a big And Roxanne's a got a tag, too, you know. Yeah. And How far are the sheep now? And they're probably 350-ish. Still in rifle range. It's about, to hap- it's about to be over, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he, he pole-axed him. I mean, just boom, right through the chest. Ram rolls down the mountain. Well, then you're a little nervous because you're like, God damn, I hope he didn't hit one. Yeah, it's not too <laughs> but we knew he didn't. And, uh, and, of course, we go over and make sure and there was no blood or nothing where he had shot earlier. Get up to that ram. Well, Roxanne never had a chance um, to get a, sh- a shot at the other one. Well, it turns out, I'm pretty sure um, Jack shot that ram the next year. Oh, really? Because it looks just like him. And yeah. I think a real good chance. But, uh, anyway, that was a 10-year-old ram. Wow. Uh, 15 and a quarter bases. About Huge bases. 
34, 35, I can't remember, 34, I think. Um, just a really nice, but big open curl, totally different kind of ram. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, boy, we spent all, but it was dark when we got to the horses. I mean, and then we rode back in the dark, had uh, some sort of screwy thing happen in the brush just as we got to camp. Uh, one horse run over the top of another one. We had all kinds of crazy. Bit of a blow up. Yeah, yeah. So, it was, you know, it's never, uh, it's always wild. But uh, we'll explain, uh, explain to us the process, the state mandatory reporting process of these unlimited rams. Okay, so in Montana, you have to present the full head. Lower jaw, um, skull, case. I mean, it has to be, the cape has to still be intact. And uh, basically our legality is that, you know, a a line from the front of the horn crossing any portion of the eye, Mm -hmm. hitting the horn again. And so they want the cape on the skull. Uh, it's too bad. I mean, you know, if you get a big old double broomer, you still got to pack the whole thing. Blatantly legal yeah, sheep. You know, yeah, you got to bring that whole head out, and and you got forty eight hours to do it. You know, you have forty eight so hours. So there's a you have to report it sooner than that with a with a phone call. Oh, uh, you don't have to. Is you, that right? You, they you they would they would like you to um, because you know there's a lot of guys who don't pack a phone, uh, but you've got forty eight hours to get out and get it in front of somebody. in person yeah, show then, up and then they'll give you a possession permit and then you're you're legal it. you gotta you can't even leave the district without it right and um yeah and so that 48 hours um you know when you're deep in the bear tooth that it's a hustle that becomes a death march a lot you know it's uh, you gotta you gotta get in you you got to take care of your meat and all that you can't it isn't like you just pull your head off no lollygagging you know, head for the truck i mean you you know you got to make sure everything else is happening too so yeah. um yeah it's the average exodus of a successful sheep hunter out of the bear tooth is stressful and exhausting um oftentimes most hunters don't even go home and shower before like you're you're out you're to the trailhead and you're straight to the biologist yeah yeah that my my big ram um we literally it was seven hours uh from where he dropped to where i could get a horse i hung him in a tree walked back to where we were camped where my dad was um came down first you know that we got to camp like at two in the morning um got up at daylight saddled the mule went down in there to where i could get a horse got the got the sheep went back packed the camp and i think we rolled into big timber at dark you know when we were we had we were right at the line yeah and i called the ended up getting the fisheries biologist (laughs) and he says oh just go to billings i'm like no 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 i know better (laughs) i said i'm gonna go get a hamburger i want to see you before i leave town that's right (laughs) because he was like busy with something with his kids and i'm like like, i'll wait i'm like i know what the rules are i'm not breaking them (laughs) Uh, i'll wait for he's like oh just tell him i said so i'm like no 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 uh, i said i'll i want to leave here with a possession permit in my hand so (laughs) so just very different from all other sheep hunting uh primarily thin horn sheep hunting where you're going to cape it and skull cap it and pack it out and leave behind 30 pounds oh, yeah. of lower jaw and skull and eyeballs and neck you know all that yep for sure yeah. um so yeah then when you get home and you're all you're you know you finally made it and you're all uh, wore out you and then you gotta cape your sheep because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's usually hot when you get back to billings i got a so. home yesterday i told you i had a big day of cat hunting yesterday so we killed the 
Big Tom in the morning. And then uh, with this big storm blowing in, I wanted my bobcat trap line off of the mountain. Quota's getting close to being full. I was just done. And I was like, I've got to get this. i got to go to Billings tomorrow. i got to get this bobcat line pulled. Ended up having a bobcat in a trap, getting a bobcat last night. And got home. And now i got to skin this cat. And I'm so exhausted. It's so spent, you know? Yeah. And yeah. The, the work almost never ends. That's one thing about hunting, if you're, especially backcountry. Uh, if you want to keep normal hours, it's not for you. <laughs> oh. I, almost, I, I tell you what, almost every sheep... I don't know what it is, but you'll end up sleeping out um, because there just ain't enough hours in the day, you know. Are you uh, carrying a tarp with you? Um, what kind of uh, survival stuff do you, you know, have with Generally, you? we go pretty dang light. You know, we got our puffy clothes, and that's about it, rain coats. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't carry a tent or a sleeping bag when I'm, when I'm actually hunting, you know. If I've got to stay the night out here, I'm going to bundle you know, up I, and build I, a fire. I don't generally do the progressive type. You know, a lot of guys will do that where they're, you know, progressively backpacking uh, through the country. And uh, for some reason, that's never um, lent itself to where I've been hunting. And so I usually I'll set up and then I'll, I'll go out and hunt and, um, and come back to the base camp. You know, or, 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 you know, even in Alaska, we've always, for some reason, we've always had our tent set up and then took off, went and hunted this bowl and then over to that bowl. And yeah, I think the normal way, the average unlimited hunter does mobily hunt yeah country yeah that's kurt roscoe who's yep. a very successful sheep hunter that's his kind of method yep his madness he'll never leave camp behind almost right. the exact opposite of you yeah well some of that though is a lot of the unlimited we've done we have had horse camps you know mm -hmm. we're we're uh, uh we'll go back in with the horses set up a little camp and then hunt out from there um nowadays you know my dad's gotten older I would, you know, I haven't actually seriously hunted the Unlimited since 2015. Really, I've, I've bought a tag every year and I go for a few days uh, now and then. But uh, I've been doing other things. I had Wyoming tag and whatnot, in Alaska. But uh, you know, we, we had a different situation uh, where we would base camp with the horses. And what I liked about that is I could get up at three in the morning, and I could be. I mean, people under, they just don't realize what we can do with horses. Number one, they can go a lot of places people don't realize. Hmm. Yeah, I um, think of I think of them as being stuck in the river bottom. Yeah, no, I, you, know, you, you go into a, go down to Cody and go sheep hunting with those boys. They'll show you. They'll ride you right to the top. Oh, yeah, it's, there, there <laughs> really isn't too many places they don't go. And, um, but I use them like a truck, you know, and so I can be on a mountain 10 miles away at daylight. Huh. You do that out of a, when you're backpacking, you know. And so I can go check out a lot of country from one spot. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it as until I know where they are, I'm not going to cast the biggest. I want to cast, cast the biggest. Right. Not going to write anything off or yep, commit I, to anything. I don't really want to go start um, harassing them, you know, so to speak, until I know where they are, you know. And so that that's just been my style. Um, and even in even in. Uh, now, 501 is a little different because it's so, you know, there's not a lot of horse trails in there. Mm -hmm. um, but you could actually scout 501 with a horse and you know, looking to go across other the areas. Way. Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> right. So, that's right. So, you know, I've, and I'm a horse guy. You know, it goes back, goes back to, you know, from the time I was a kid and all the elk hunting and stuff. And so, so yeah, I've, you know, my style has been to cover lots of country with the horse. And then once I find the sheep, then hmm. put on the backpack. And for that reason, 
I've had a lot of nights I couldn't get back to my horse. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and that's really? been and that's been Alaska too. I mean, or, and even I guess uh, I'm trying to think my stone sheep. I guess we were able to get it out, you know, right away. Um, but uh, yeah, I had the the last doll. Um, shoot, I rolled him at five, and it was dark at seven. And we were on a big glacier, and if we hadn't, uh, you know, that was actually I'm not real big into technology. I'm, not car- carrying my phone when I'm hunting, you know, I'm not one of the, uh, but I do have an inReach and all that now. And uh kid I was hunting with, Dustin Hannifus, uh, he he was plotting our, our our trail across that glacier during the day. I mean, this is a monster glacier. We're talking, you know, Mulan. He's laying down a track. Yeah, he's laying down a track. And lucky he did because uh, he got dark at seven. And our only goal was to get onto the ice before dark because it was so dangerous where the ice met the mountain that you definitely wouldn't want to cross it in the dark. You would, I mean, no, it was just really bad. But anyway, once we got on the ice, then we started following that track. I mean, it is dark. I could hold my hand in front of my face and could not see it. Blindly following. But so we've got their headlamps on and we're going past (laughs) Mulans. I mean, you could hear, hear the water going in. It's like a toilet, you know, you could water's going across the glacier. And you're like, if you fall in that sucker, you're not coming you know, out. A thousand years from now, they're going to find this, this sheep <laughs> <Yeah>. hunter, you know, <laughs> when he come out the other end of the glacier. But uh, Must have he followed, we hunter. followed that track, and our tents were out on the glacier, and at 2 o'clock, we walked right up to the tents. I mean, well. It worked out great, and so I'm a believer in that. But, uh, you know, had had we not had, you know, that technology, we'd have slept out because there's no way you'd cross that ice in the dark. Another benefit of a horse camp uh, in the way you're doing it is – you can obviously make that camp very comfortable oh yeah uh eat eat real food (laughs) my my, uh my unlimited camps that i've chosen for myself have been pretty minimalistic and pretty boned out uh not a lot of items of luxury with me but a horse camp hey you probably have a cot (laughs) no we don't do cots um i've got a really good air mattress that you would oh never pack on your back i mean we're talking like a four inch insulator <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um and then yeah we were in those days we were packing a little wall tent um nowadays i've actually i'm going to a kafaru tp um those things are pretty slick oh awesome uh, that little stove you know a little tiny stove and um and then um you know we've we've pretty much gone to all freeze dry and as much as anything we're just lazy we don't want to cook and so uh <laughs> you know it's all freeze dried and stuff like that you know, try to keep everything really simple even yeah. though we're on horses um i just don't want to i i, I want to be out hunting or up on the mountain somewhere i don't want to be hanging out in camp yeah and so but but having a camp you know a teepee with a stove you know like you know in uh 2015 uh, that year, when Roxanne got her last ram, um, we saw the rams about two days before season opened, but there was a big storm coming in. And at that time, by then, I've gotten an inReach. You know, um, I can't remember when they came out, but I had an inReach, and I could see the weather was going to go bad. And I think I had my sat phone still, and I called my dad, and he said, yeah, you're you're looking at a couple feet coming at you. And um, for opening, like that night of opening day. Yeah. So we went out and we got on the rams, but it started pouring rain and we could see them, but we were like, they were in a really bad spot. And we thought if we move on them, we're going to be stuck there and it's going to, we're going to be in that storm. Yeah. And so we, we just pulled off and went back to camp. Sure enough, that night it started snowing hard 
and um, any, anyway, so having having that ability to sit it out for two three days, you know, pitching wood in a little stove, you know, all the other guys pulled out. We had backpackers yeah. going by us for a couple of days. They were they were leaving, and and you know, I know guys that will tough it out. You know, just build a big fire, and uh, but you're you know you're looking at a, you know all of a sudden you got 18 inches of snow or mm. a foot of snow. Um, that's that's when the horse deal pays off big time because you're still comfortable and yep. then you're ready to go when it's over. Well, um, ended up, uh, you know, we ended up circling around. We couldn't find them. The, the rams had moved too because of the snow, and so we circled around and it, it took us a week. If we'd been backpack and we had never got those rams, got on that ram because we'd we were well, too far away from where they ended up, and so we we circled around kind of knowing what they were going to do because of that snow, and then started you know pitched another camp and and then climbed the mountain and this is where i told you about the water deal mm-hmm. um by then you know we'd had a foot foot of snow the week before now it's like 85 hot i mean really hot and we're climbing this big chute that i'd always wanted to climb ever since i was a kid i remember going up there when i up the trail when i was a kid and i saw a bear up in that chute and i always wanted to climb that chute yeah, that's cool and uh 88 it burned and it was all uh, little tiny Christmas trees. By by this time, they were big, and I mean it was like tearing your clothes off, nasty. <laughs> and we're climbing the chute, and anyway, we we're climbing, but we knew that would get us up to where I thought those rams had gone. And uh, and it was about a seven-hour deal. This is a big chute, a lot of I mean from the river bottom all the way up, and uh, That's slow th- going. Just an all day, you know, one step after. I mean, straight up. And Roxanne was having a hard time. She had um, been kind of sick, and she was about 75 yards behind me, but she was coming along. And we had just passed some water in the in the you know in the bottom of the chute, coming out of the hill there, out of the, you know out of the steep you know draw. And I'm thinking, God, I hope that ain't the last water. Mm-hmm. And we're climbing and climbing, and I'm not finding, I'm not seeing any more water. And I knew once we got over the top, there's a little. There was creek and lake and stuff on the other side. You know, like anywhere in the Bear Tooth, if you go far enough, you're going to run into more. But I didn't really want to go there because I thought, well, hell, that's where the sheep are. And we kept climbing, and we got almost to the top of this thing. And I sit down on this big rock, and I look over, and I was like, uh, like we were talking earlier, how these sheep blend in so well. And I look over, and all of a sudden, at about 150 yards white stripes on the legs mm-hmm. just all of a sudden materialize and it's a big ram oh my god he's standing there looking right at me how far away about 150 yards really close and roxanne's about 50 yards below me well she like i said she'd been kind of having a hard time and not feeling good so i'd taken her rifle and i had it strapped to my pack oh my gosh but i didn't think of that and i'm like whispering right there shoot you know it's like <laughs> and she's looking up gunning at it and she's looking up at me you have my rifle <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> and he's just looking right at us, and this is a big, heavy double curl. I mean, double broom ram, a, a really good ram. Whoa! And I'm just like, and he just turns and walks away, and I'm like, oh crap! Oh. Well, she gets up there, and I'm thinking, you know, this—he's seen us. He's gone. You know, we're not going to ever see him again. Right. I mean, we we just wanted to cry. You know, we're just like, oh crap! We just spent seven hours climbing this son of a gun, and we were—it was there, and he was right there. I mean, fingers. he was just standing right there. Well, I didn't realize it at the time, but he was going down to that water. The last seep you yeah, passed. Yeah, the last seep. Well, 
we're sitting there and we're thinking, crap, do we dare go higher? They got, the rest of the Rams got to be here. And I think we've got like a canteen between the two of us maybe. And we're both pretty dry and mm-hmm. we need to cook dinner. And we're like, what are we going to do? And I thought, yeah, we got to tough it out. We're going we're gonna to camp right here. And there's, a, there's just like barely a spot to pitch a tent. Mm-hmm. We're talking a grade. <laughs> and we got – so we pitch a little two-man tent. And we get in and we're like sliding, you know, how on that on that nylon floor. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, I just climbed the chute for seven hours. And if I rip through the bottom of this tent, I'm going to be at the bottom of this about thing. About five minutes. <laughs> and so uh, about, you know, about a half hour into – we've got our sleeping bags. We're laying there and Roxanne goes – I'm sliding out of this thing, and if it rips, we're going to end up in the bottom of this thing. And I, I sa- she says, how are you How are you sticking? I said, I took all my clothes off, and I'm laying buck naked on this thing yeah. <laughs> in my, my underwear. St- <laughs> my sweaty, sticky skin is anchoring yeah. me very nicely. And so the only thing I've got, I've got the sleeping bag. I've got, I'm in my underwear. I'm laying on the <laughs> bottom of the tent, and I've got the sleeping bag over me. And then I was, you know, that was safe. And we both went to sleep that way that night. And uh, I always thought that there is room in the in the gear world for, like, a sleeping pad with a, with a <laughs> sticky or something, you know, something to hold you. Well, up. I, I don't think too many people sleep like. I mean, like I said, retard. Yeah, I thought <laughs> this this forty this twenty four hour window is a great example of going full retard. <laughs> so anyway, we get up in the morning and now we're we're I mean we're like down to a swallow of water each, <sighs> and we're thinking, well, we'll and what what was your thinking? You said we're in the the Rams are here. They're right up. We figured they're right we're above here. us. There's a couple little bowls right above us and i'm thinking we can hunt our way up through there in the morning hopefully kill one yep and then go to water on top and so we and that morning we look up from the tent and i could see two ramps a half a little half curl and then looked like a pretty solid how far away uh they're half a mile 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 basin yeah no they're way above us still way above we're still got a lot to climb oh and you're kind of kind of a diagonal you know up but and then i look over and hell the next basin's got rams in the next basin's got i can see rams in three different basins like two here and three there and two and but they're all little but i could see this one and i but i know there's bigger ones because we'd seen them earlier in this you know before the season started yeah you had a uh, hundred there was like two three two three um good legal rams plus that one like you said so we're thinking hell they they're here um the snow had moved them into this country and uh we thought, well, let's climb up and get even with them, s- sneak over to the rim and shoot them. And uh, we're climbing up, and it's nasty. I mean, I ended up rolling a big rock, almost hit her. She, I mean, Roxanne's fall. This is like she's she's just like taking it. This, you know? this woman has endured <laughs> some ailments. She still holds that one against me. She's like, you got to be more careful. <laughs> and anyway, we finally we get up there, and no sheep. I mean, it's like everything's disappeared. And I'm thinking, what in the hell, you know? Well, we find we get back to where we could get, find a little creek, fill up our canteens, water up good, chug. And we did have our, you know, we had a platypus with us, a uh, little for camp, you know. Yep. So we filled it up, and we thought, well, let's go back down to the tent, and we're trying to figure out what, you know, what we're gonna do now if we, you know, trying to, which, you know, it's like where'd they where'd go? Where'd they go? Yeah. Do you think they slipped into? And there's the all kinds of timber, and yeah, you know, it's it's. They could have went anywhere. Yeah, we're kind of near one of them pinnacle type deals where they could go every which way. And we get down, and well, as we're coming down, I'm looking down at the tent. A mountain goat pops out right at the tent. 
Oh, cool. Kind of that little saddle, and he crosses, and he drops down into the draw. I'm thinking, that's kind of weird. And uh, so we go down, we get to the tent, and we thought, well, it's, there's a little rock knob there, and we thought, let's crawl up here and just have some lunch. It's about noon, and try and figure out what we want to do next. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to climb down. We're going to have to get some more water. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, I'm not kind of dreading that. Have you put this together yet? That maybe no, I, I, it animals? really hasn't. It hasn't, hasn't clicked yet. Clicked yet? And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm eating and I look up and I can see two. Here's two rams coming down, right towards us. You're like, and I'm like, holy crap! I throw up my binoculars and it's those two. It's that little banana horn ram and then this older ram. And yeah. And I could tell he looks. You know, I think I told you before. He, you can almost see the bones sticking out. You can see the sharp edges. You know. Of his hips. Yeah, his hips and stuff. An and indicator. And Roxanne is old at, age. A, at a distance. She's like, oh, I don't think he's that big. You know, he just didn't look that. He's, he's got thin bases. He's, uh, but he's what he does, he carries his mass out. So he, he just didn't look big. And I'm, I'm watching him come through binoculars. And she's still. Uh, I said, get your rifle ready. And she's like, what do you mean, why? <laughs> I said, get your rifle. They were coming. They're coming right at us. There's rams coming right at us. I mean, we're like, we're. 20 yards above our tent you know but you got to remember where our tent is you <laughs> yeah know? that's right and so uh uh pretty soon uh she throws up and i i said that's a that's an old ram you need to shoot him she's like i don't know he doesn't look that big i said you need to shoot that ram and she and it didn't take much coaxing and she shot and uh first for you know first uh i think she squeezed and she didn't even have shell in her chamber i mean we're we're totally caught off guard and uh, she jacks one in, and, and the Rams, it didn't matter because they didn't have a clue. They were coming, r- and they come right at us. And I'm not kidding. She shot, and that Ram rolled to within 20 yards of the tent. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't have, I mean. How far was her shot when, finally? Oh, 75, 80 yards. And it was above you at the time? Above us, coming straight down the ridge. Rolled to you and almost, yeah, to, he, almost he, to your tent. She shot. He turned broadside. She shot him again, and he just rolled. Yeah. And he literally rolled up against a tree. I, do I, you have a picture? I do have I've a picture. Shown, you've shown me a picture. Yeah, I've got a picture. But pe- yeah, I mean, I don't know if people would ever believe it, but I literally, I'm butchering the sheep while she's taking down her tent. <laughs> we took a bunch of pictures, and I'm like, well, I'll butcher them up while you, you know, fold up camp. And uh, and so we out, and then we had to go down that big, you know, seven-hour deal. It, um, and when you seen those two coming down, what looked like coming down through your camp, did, did then it clicked? It didn't until I started butchering the ram and I started. Like, why are all of these Why is everything showing up here? Well, pretty soon I realized the hell that was the only water that was on that face. Yeah. And they were using you know, that, that mountain goat yeah. to come through and that other ram <laughs> had been there the day before. And, I mean, hell, you know, you don't think of that when Turns sheep out, hunting. You know, we're in the right spot. It was like hunting Arizona. <laughs> yeah, hunting water. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait at the water. Tank. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, it, and, and, you know, it was one of them deals where, you know, we, you ride those highs and lows, you know, when we stopped, when we got back to the tent, we were low as you could go because we're thinking, where in the hell did they all go? And, you know, we'd botched the one the day before, and you're just thinking, you know, ready to pack up. It was about – we only had like a day left. We are thinking, well, maybe I'll just pack up. It's time to go. You know, mm-hmm. just, just luck isn't with us. And here he comes. You know, it just is like all of a sudden – you just flip the switch and uh, consistency kills, man. Yeah, <laughs> I can't take that away from you. It uh, and so yeah. So anyway, it ended up it was a ram that we had seen um, in 08 at the mine. He has a hole right in the end of his horn, so he's yeah, very it's interesting. You could distinguish him. And we got home, and Sean emailed me and said, "What? You know, send me a photo. I want to see what ram you got." And uh, 
you know, there's rams in that country that come low, and there's rams that never come down. That's right. Some and of so them will winter on the they'll plateaus. They'll winter on the plateaus. They'll actually go higher when it snows. They'll go up to the wind blows. Such a you know, hardcore you know, they, thing. They, they, they might live at 8,000 feet all summer and then go to 11 for the winter. Uh, but this ram had been down in the mine off and on, and uh, and uh, Sean had recognized him too. And I said, yeah, this ram, I thought he was dead, you know, because we hadn't seen him in years. And it turns out he was 15. Um, they aged him when we went in. It was funny because the, the gal in Billings aged him at 11. I'm like, no, this ram's 15. <laughs> and she's like, well, this group. is what I come up with. And I'm like, but those really old rams, it's one thing I don't think guys realize. Some of those cur- those last rings can be almost as tight as a mountain goat's. Or or perhaps they're not even making them anymore. Barely, yeah. If, that's why I say they're just like a mountain goat ring almost. Yeah. Where this ram, we knew. We knew how old he was, cause, and the biologist confirmed it. He said the same clear, thing. Clear photo of him as an 8-year-old, yep. time-stamped. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's simple math. Yeah, so it, it's real interesting. You know, you, when you get to follow sheep like this, or, you know, most sheep hunts, you know, you go to Alaska, you're seeing a sheep for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, in some, in, in some areas that's the way it always is. But um, in some of these areas, we have been able to follow them because of winter ranges. And, and a lot of times, though, you'll see – you know, a lot of times you see sheep that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And there's rams, like I said, back in those areas that they never come out. And um, you just never know. Mountain trolls, I call yeah. them. <laughs> Old mountain trolls. So what, how? Uh, give me some of the specs on that 15-year-old ram. How big was he? Uh, boy, I'm trying to remember. Uh seemed like he was he's heavily broomed. He's about 32, if I remember right, 14, 32, something like that. It's a big sheep. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you guys stand. It's it's one of the most like startling things when I talk unlimited hunting with you and Roxanne is like your standards. <laughs> I like. I, well, you know, I'd cut my left arm off to find a legal to see a legal ram, and you guys are um, high standards. Well, it's knowing that they're there, you know, and and I think I got a lot of that from those years of talking to Jack, you know. Um, they he they always killed really nice old rams too. Uh, they would let a lot of rams walk because they knew they'd find them next. You know that's one thing. Back in the days when there was no waiting period, right? Keep on. Um, or or well, of course, if you shoot one, um, um, I mean, there's no wait now. If you you can go hunt the next year, you know you know so you can let a ram walk and you know he's going to be there next year if nobody else shoots him. You know so it it's um, I you know I I don't blame anybody. I mean any ram is a good ram. I mean, mm-hmm. a legal ram, you're going to earn them. I mean, the Bertuse, uh, you could get lucky. I mean, there's been rams shot right from trucks. I mean, it, you know, crossing the highway at Cook City, up along the roads at Red Lodge. I mean, but you're off the trail with a horse. Your whole life has led to ha- probably having that outlook about these sheep because you've spent so much of your life in that country. Yeah. It's easy to – it's easy to – believe that you're going to be there next year where i think a lot of people go into the unlimited sure maybe they've never stepped foot in there and they're like my god this is intimidating and lo and behold if they see any legal ram it's sure it, yeah. it's you know trophies in the eye of the beholder for sure and that and i don't blame anybody for you know taking whatever they if it's a legal ram yeah. take it but uh you know with us it's always been a oh if you don't get one this year we'll try next year you know and yeah i you know the first one of course um I mean that was a huge, huge deal to me, but I think once you got one, then you're, then it's kind of like okay, now I can, you know, yeah, yeah, and you know, I've gone with friends and helped them, and and so you know, uh, over time, um, 
you know, you just you just realize that you know it doesn't matter if you get one or not. You know, yeah. it's, it's the whole it's the whole journey. And um, talking to Roscoe last week or two weeks ago, and asked, I think I asked, uh, "Are you eager to get?" He's back in the game. He's hunting again. And I was like, "Are you eager to get another ram?" And he was like, "Not really." He's <laughs> like, "Cause it means I can't go next year." Yeah. So that's. I think hunting for all the right reasons in there. Yeah, even you know this past few years, because we've been doing other things, going to Alaska and and uh, Wyoming, and um, you know you just can't do everything every year. But I still buy a tag, mm-hmm. and I've, I've always got my hip pocket. Doesn't hurt case, to have it in your pocket in case uh, you know when I get a few days. And I've done a you know a few just quick runs for a day or two. Um, not a good way to be successful, <laughs> hey. but it's fun, you know, just knowing that you got in. Go get, go see that country at least. Yeah, and one of these years I'll get serious and go for a full-blown trip again or, you know, for a full yeah, I hope, year. But, I hope uh, you do. I think it's time. Yeah. No, Roxanne wants to get one in every unit. She's going for the hat trick. Yeah, she wants to do the 501, 500, 501, 502. Each of you have shot two? Yeah, yeah. Your dad shot one. Yeah, you my got friend friends Dave got that have one. shot. Another yeah, those one. are the main, those six were the ones that I was right there, you know, literally. Yeah. And then, and like I say, we've always, we could have doubled up several times, but um, in all honesty, one on the ground's plenty of, lots of fun. So. Yeah. And, uh, well, you there's are, always, uh, there's always the other ram is smaller, so. <laughs> I've, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've learned so much about sheep hunting from you, and particularly the unlimited sheep hunting, which is its own unique weird thing that most people aren't probably cut out for um but i've your passion for it and your experiences in there has done nothing but fuel my own passion for it and i can't wait to get back in there oh it's um yeah it's been fun to you know you you know i'm busy and get going on other things um and it's been fun to you know live vicariously through all the younger guys that have started showing up and you know see the pictures and hear Absolutely. the stories and so yeah it's it's really cool even if i'm not up there i get to hear hear what everybody else is seeing and doing and and man of you know just about everybody that's put their mind to it um you know and there's quite a few young guys that have started hunting it have gotten a nice ram that's right time, sooner or later you know there's a there's a saying that's thrown around uh and i, I want to know if you agree with this or disagree with this that if you hunt the unlimited seriously for five years, you will likely have a chance at a legal ram. Yeah, yeah. Like take it seriously for five years. I mean, doing a ten-day trip, five years in a row, you will ultimately at some point have a chance at a legal ram. Yeah, for sure. I think I I know. Um, back when I started in the late '80s, they were saying that the average uh, guy that killed a ram had put seven years in. Yeah, and so. Um, that's be interesting. Kill, that's killing. It would be interesting to know now yeah. if there's, you know, anybody's kept track of that. Another reason to get Sean on here. Yeah, for be sure. Cool to pick his brain. Yeah. Um. What's your dream hunt? You've you've hunted the world over. African lion. Is that it? Yeah, for sure. Tracking. I want to. I, w- I would love to go with one of those guys. Um, talk to a lot of the guys over there i've only been to africa once but um and we did see a lot of lions but of course that's a whole nother level of of income <laughs> but uh a big go wild, out big wild lion a big old lion that's roged off uh go out they go out in the middle of the night and they start their roar they start they get them roaring whoa and then they track them and so you're moving in on them in the dark 
and then tracking them and that to me that has that would be awesome yeah uh, that is that is incredible mine yeah not not the sitting you know of course i mean i'd love to hunt them anyway but sitting on a bait or whatever but because uh, that can get plumb wild too when a whole five comes <laughs> in but yeah. Uh, but uh yeah some of the guys i've talked to where they where they roar them at night and then start moving in on them in the dark and try to be at them at daylight wow i mean uh africa that's a it's a I mean, I've, that's one thing that could draw me away as I get older. Um, Africa is another level in a different way. Um, the animals the, the are Africa so different. The Africa you're speaking of. The real the, wild the, Africa. The wild yeah. Africa. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the diversity of the game. And then at night, I mean, you know, sleeping out at night on a sheep hunt, you don't think nothing of it sleep out at night up there you might be dead i mean because <laughs> i mean you go back to the truck at you know right at dark and you, it's amazing how things come to life after dark you start hearing the hyenas you start hearing all these noises yeah i've never been there but i've, I've heard i mean the lions roaring the like no other place and, and and their stuff goes on at night and in the morning all you see is blood spots on the ground i oh. mean they eat the bones i mean it's you'll find a warthog it's a crime scene you'll find a warthog and the only thing that's left of him is his skull and a little piece of skin on his forehead and it's fresh you know so during the night they literally ate his bones even i mean wow. drag him off you don't find you know like here you know you find a you know winter kill you don't find that over there you find some horns occasionally <laughs> but everything just gets eaten yeah and i, I, you know, I was out with my when we were out there with the ph and I said, what would happen, you know, you know, if you, know, if you got lost in the dark? And he says, you know, nobody would ever hear from you. You'd just be gone. You'd just disappear <laughs> you know, into just, the night. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know, with the rifle and stuff, you'd be all right. We have, but, we but, have uh, like, uh, grizzly bears to be scared of. In the, in the wrong situation, you should rightly be afraid of them. Africa in the nighttime might be a whole There's just no, re- no remains to find. You know? <laughs> yeah. They clean up. Yeah. That's yeah. They, too crazy. It's, uh, but, yeah, that would be my dream hunt i guess but i i love mountain hunting that's yeah you know, i love the country let me ask you this if you could have any if you could hunt desert sheep anywhere in north america which desert hunt would you pick oh man because uh, there's a lot of different desert hunts yeah i've been uh i've been putting in down the mexican border in in arizona i'd love to draw it because uh, it's a mule it's going with mules. There's no water. You got to pack your water in. Oh wow! And it's a wilderness area. Yeah. Is this where you see them building like guzzlers for the sheep? Um, I don't know that. Th- I don't think they're have any guzzlers. See, there. That's down the Sonoran Desert where there's barrel cactus, mm. and the sheep will bust those cactus open and, tr- and and eat the insides, and that's how they get their moisture. But you can't do that. <laughs> no, no. So you know. So that I would um, obviously old Mexico. I mean, I really don't have a. I, I i'd like it to be a real wild area though yeah you know to go like i said to go in with mules and and pack water yeah that seems right awesome. up right up your alley yeah, for sure you know some desert hunts i don't think look i never hunted desert sheep but some of them don't look that difficult yeah i think they're getting a little more cushy you know yeah. lodges and yeah trucks and stuff you know in the old days you know when i was first getting into this and like i was telling you some of them old timers i knew you know they talked about you know just about dying down in the desert because it was dry and they didn't couldn't find water and they were going out you know for long long walks yeah (laughs) yeah so you know it's it's gotten a lot different you know than it was in those days but uh some of the danger has been removed yeah which is inevitable but yeah it's just uh you know 
you know, in the old days, they started with horses at town and rode all the way into Stone Sheep Country, That's too. Right, yeah. A six-week trip, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quickly giving a summary of your Stone Sheep saga, because it, it's, a, it's a story of persistence and maybe boiled down to pure sheep god luck. How that how that all kind of culminated for you? Sure, um, you know if I had to say my favorite North American hunt for sure is Stone Sheep. Uh, is that right? It's horse hunting in some of the wildest country there is, and also you see such a diversity of game. You know you got hmm. mountain caribou, sh- moose, you know sheep, um, you know all kinds of. You know, it's in the old days it used to be almost like a safari. You know those guys that buy a bear tag, they'd have everything. They'd get know? six animals. Yeah, you'd go for twenty one days or yeah or you know uh, now it's more specialized or guys are hunting sheep you know i wish I, I i saw some big moose while i was hunting stone sheep but no way i was gonna take a day from yeah when you got that kind of money invested and back in the day when i hunted stone sheep they're not near as expensive as they are now uh, but no six i went with uh frank simpson um i'm trying to remember what the name of that country is at turnigan country but uh saw tons of sheep Oh, they were beautiful. Uh, stone sheep, there's nothing like seeing them. Yeah, Good we, we char- hunted the charcoal late. stones? Yeah, we hunted them late, oh, so they were in full winter coat. Haired up. Uh, there was a little bit of snow on the ground. Uh, probably seen a couple hundred the first day, using lambs. Whoa. Just sheep all over. Uh, but finding rams, uh, they really use the timber and the brush. I mean, you'd look out on rocky outcrops where we think of seeing sheep, and they're like, no, no, look down the trees and the willows. <laughs> and... Um, we ended up seeing 24 rams, uh, seven-year-olds. You know, we just could not turn up. And that's a typical deal of sheep hunting. Is that's right. Oh, uh, I don't know what happens to them when they turn eight, but they evaporate. That's right. Um, because there's always a lot of seven-year-olds, you know. Yeah, I mean, just natural die-off. Yeah. The, the statistically, there's going to be a smaller age class yep. each year older you get. And and for some reason it must be they rut harder or something but that's a year where they really drop off i heard something uh on average like it's only one out of a hundred rams will make it to 10 years old that that would probably be right yeah. I, I don't have anything to back that depends up, on where seemed, you're at that's right too, but it know. seems that seems accurate to me too yeah. i know you know when we got these rams in the bear tooth like mine being 13 roxanne's being 15 15 the oldest ever yeah. Um, I think there's only world. been one other 13 that I know of, and that's Gray Thornton's. What uh, a sheep that and, was. And uh, Jack guided a lot of them, and I think 11 was the oldest he had ever guided to. Um, so, yeah, 10 is even a breaking point. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really tough to get beyond 10. But anyway, the stone sheep hunt, was that was a fabulous trip. I mean, 15 days, saw tons of bears, tons of moose. But no Lots of sheep, but I just never saw a legal ram. We th- we saw one in a snowstorm one day. Uh, we were up on this rim looking into this basin, and there's sheep moving around the timber below us, and we thought he was legal. And it started snowing, and we just hunkered up behind a rock, and it was one of them deals this big squall came through, and I look over, and there's, like, snow drifts coming off of us, <laughs> and we're all hunkered over. <laughs> like and one of fi- those dead bodies oh on the yeah. forest. <laughs> and finally, an hour after, it finally quit, you know, and – and we never could see him. We just had to, you know, finally give up. And yeah. uh, anyway, I didn't get one. Um, one of the doctors Roxanne works with had hunted with Stan Lancaster quite a bit, and I just wanted to see a different area. And you know, Stan Simpson, you know, he he was great, or Frank Simpson, he was great. But he offered, you know, to have us back for a reduced rate. But I, I went with Stan Lancaster on the next hunt in 09. 
and uh, hunted a full 10 days. There again, awesome country. Saw lots of, you know, moose and that type of thing we only saw four rams um, we were out in the cassiars uh we're in an area that's kind of on the fringe of where there is a lot of stone sheep and so uh, but they but, but they've gotten some really big rams over the years and we did we only saw four ten days and we hunted our butts off and we were hunting right where like my doctor friend had killed a great big ram yeah uh, killed so it like this was more of a quality not quantity yeah he killed like a 43 inch big old you know Whoa. dream ram you know and we walked right by where he had shot that and and of course he wasn't there but <laughs> well, yeah you know roscoe and roscoe taught me that earlier on don't go chasing dead sheep that's right and uh anyway when when we got ready to leave stan you know he could tell i was really super serious and and he said I, I was working on a giant moose monument at the time back at the studio and and he says you know when you get home you leave your bags packed and he says i'm gonna call you if we get an opening if i get a guide shook loose i want you back and you know we'll get you a ram and so we flew home on a white horse and i got home and about 10 days later he called me says get your butt up here i had a mountain goat hunter didn't show up at all didn't call didn't nothing just mm -hmm. didn't show up at the airport i mean it's it always blows my mind when i hear that kind of stuff they just leave their money on the table and leave and he said that, but they were already you know it's going to take me two days by the time i got up there so two days of that 10-day hunt were gone i yep. get there and had eight days uh, hooked in with the guide well, the story to get you know, the story is oh better. well I, I would get there and it, it was, you know of course he's not set up to meet me or anything and so i get to whitehorse and he had uh i think his wife was a registered nurse there at the hospital and she'd brought a flatbed truck left it at the airport out in the parking lot was loaded with horse feed stashed the keys somewhere stashed the keys and they just said go out and find that flatbed truck in the parking lot with horse feed in the back so i'm walking all through the parking <laughs> lot <laughs> and this is like you know in the after pretty late in the afternoon and he says, and you need to get to uh, Atlin Lake. He wanted me to to deviate off the Alaska Highway, get to Atlin Lake, and buy. I had to buy somebody like a caribou tag or something, because uh, they had a hunter that had filled me, and so needed a tag. And so I, uh, he, he had already got his sheep or moose and wanted to hunt caribou. That's right, yeah. And so anyway, I'm driving down the Alaska Highway. I'm flying because I need to get to Atlin before the store closes. You know. <laughs> How, so how far did you have to drive? Oh, it was like five hours to Atlin or something. I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, I ended up getting to like Dawson. I think it was Dawson Creek or whatever the name of that town was. Like at two or three in the morning. Get a hotel room. <laughs> sleep for like two, three hours. Get out to the dock. Get in the airplane. And uh, fly in. And um, so anyway, I'd done all this on, you know, on my own. I'm driving in the fog. <laughs> it's like hey, it's, it's jet lagged. It's your third stone sheep. Huh? Yeah. Basically uh, a pretty seasoned stone. You could just do all this on your own now. Yeah. So anyway, we get there, and, and I'm just trashed. You know, <laughs> start this hunt. And, well, then it starts raining, so I end up laying in my sleep bag reading a book for a day and got caught up. But anyway, we took off, and, and we did do just the tarp thing. I mean, he wasn't really set up for a sheep hunter. I hooked me up with this guide and a couple of horses and we just had a blue tarp and a couple of panniers full of food. And we took off, went back into this country and, and there were sheep all over. Oh really? Rams. I mean, and we, but it was one of them deals where you'd see a good ram. We saw several legal rams and it'd be on the far mountain. And so the next day we'd get over there, nothing, it'd be gone. I don't know if they were moving through that country or what was going on because it was like we were seeing new sheep every day and never seeing the old sheep again. They just kept giving you the slip. And kept giving us the slip, and it just was it was it drove us nuts. I mean, we saw I, I saw sheep every day, and 
finally the hunt came to an end and we we'd given it you know our full full effort mm. we got back to the main camp uh cabin and there was another hunter there that was hunting i think he was hunting moose caribou bear so he, everything but sheep yeah well they on their way in they had been out spike camping about oh probably half hour down the trail they had seen three ramps yeah uh, right up on the ridge you know we're talking hour from this main camp but it's the end of the hunt yeah you're le- you're yeah, on I'm your supposed way to fly out. out in the morning at daylight yeah you know? and uh my guide he's he calls stan he says man we there's three rams right hour from camp here and did they say they saw a legal one and they saw there they said there was probably two that were legal okay and so uh so he called stan and stan says well i'll tell you what you know it's the guide he was supposed to have the day off that's right hunts. Yeah. and and uh kevin kevin Fru is his name he says i he says I'll, i want to hunt he says i'll take tim tomorrow if you can get him out somehow. So, if you can so I was going to throw over the whole yeah. schedule again, you know, and they <laughs> yeah. had a beaver coming in for everybody. And, <laughs> and, and so anyway, we, so we took off in the morning and we went down there and we could not see anything. I mean, we were looking and looking right where they had seen him. And finally, I just seen this white spot move and, I think, and we zoomed in on it. And sure enough, it's a white headed ram, you know, the rest of the other two are blue. And I mean, they blend. It was like looking at ghosts. Yeah. They're way up on the mountain. But that whitehead bugger, he gave him away. You just saw a beacon. Yeah, that little little flashlight up there, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we took off, and it was there again, yeah, typical sheep hunt, all day climb, and got above them, and they were bedded in a spot where he really couldn't get a shot. But we we just laid there and waited, and finally he stood up, and boom, that was it. How far did you shoot him? Uh, that was probably a three hundred yard shot down. That's down beautiful down. sheep. I saw it life size. Really beautiful hair. Uh, late in the season. Yep, a yep. full full winter hide yep. and just charcoal from his ears to his ass exactly what I, you know, I mean his horns he's just a nice legal ram I, I can't even remember what his measurements are um nine year old but he's not you know he's not a giant by any means but that he is that was beautiful he is the most beautiful cape that you could get yeah just the whole high i had him life-sized and what a crazy conclusion that would be a crazy conclusion to any stone sheep hunt but the fact that it was your third attempt and the way that you got back up there in such short order with the outfitter calling, having you on call and the way that you <laughs> drove and flew yourself up, you know, yeah. most people would meet the outfitter or someone at the airport and be taken care of from there. Yeah. But they, uh, uh 36th day, 36th day of count both sh- all the hunts. stone sheep hunting. Yep. yep. 36th day. Yeah. Well, wow. yeah. So, uh, my dad had kind of the probably same similar luck. to an unlimited ram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad had similar luck with uh, doll sheep. For some reason, he was just cursed, and he ended up getting that ram with uh, Stan Simpson like the thirty fourth day or something. Wow! And he's a big old twister, you know, just a really cool ram. So you just got to, you know, keep it's, on it. Uh, tenacity is you what just it have to keep. Just, yeah, yeah, you cannot. You got to enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because if uh, you don't, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's uh, it's you're gonna. Uh, I mean, it takes a while to figure it all out as far as how to take care of yourself. I mean, that first trip into the brooks, I remember we tore our feet up. I mean, mm. I mean, I had blood coming through my boots. Mm. Um, you learn how to, you know, properly break in your boots and wear the right socks and, you know, have what, the right... What gear's s- worth spending you know, the money on? I mean, uh, making dang sure you have um, plenty of uh, athletic tape or I, I forget what I use now. Luco. Luco tape that's right. with 
Gorilla tape over the top. Oh wow, <laughs> that's pretty bomb proof. That's bomb proof. That yeah, I mean, I don't allow it. I don't go. I don't uh, take any chances anymore because I've I've had it all. So, um, I I remember on the conga cut, sitting there with my dad and his his old friend Bob, and and I thought, you know, most people probably think that we're up here, you know, looking at the beautiful country, talking about what a great place it is, and we're all talking about how how our feet feel and how we want to die. <laughs> <laughs> You got to embrace the suffering. Embrace the, um, you got to like the suck. You got to just <laughs> absolutely sign up for some torture. Yeah. But uh, but you'll go to places that you would never, never go to. I mean, yeah, I think that's hunting in general. Yeah. Uh, I like, that's one of the biggest things to me, biggest attractants to me in hunting is all the different places it's taken me in the world. Yeah. Um, it combines traveling with adventure with hunting and it's just all all the great things you know yeah all put together but some of those sheep hunting in particular is going to take you to corners of the earth that most more than most people will never ever see that's for sure i you know what else would get you out of bed at three in the morning to get on a cold <sighs> saddle and ride in the dark yeah spend the day out on a windy ridge glassing you know a lot of similarities to lion hunting yeah following lions around the mountain you go to places and see things and learn things that you're not going to learn on an elk hunt no for sure so that's i like the variety and that's one of the reasons you know a lot of guys are like well have you been up there lately and i'm like you know i kind of got off on these other things right now but yeah go for full circle and well, hopefully this conversation relit the fire. Oh, sure. Well, I don't I'll, think it, it went it never out. Goes I out. don't think it went out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, a couple years, I'll have a tag too. So you better look out. Yeah, I was wondering how long, for you. Uh, how long your wait is. I got two or three more years, I think. Idea. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Put my brothers into it now. Right. Right. So I'll inevitably hunt with him, I'm sure. But I hope to have, I hope to build a resume with him that you have with Roxanne. And just, I'm, I'm not leaving Montana. For so. sure. Yeah, no, it's always, hopefully it'll always be there. That's the that's what's so neat about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a really um, s- unique, special thing. You know, Ex- there was speak to that. What, why is it so unique? It's um, You know, there's no other over-the-counter bighorn hunting in the lower 48. Now, there is in Alberta and British Columbia, I think. Hmm. Um, of course, for a non-resident, it's huge money to go up there. Um what I what I like what I think you know what's what I see you know a couple of years ago there was a talk of making it a one and done deal in Montana. I remember that get a ram and you're done. And I often look back and I think you know if if it would have been that way, and I would have been happy. I'd have killed that ram in '89, but I would have never became a sheep hunter. I wouldn't became a sheep advocate. You know now Roxanne and I we live, eat, breathe, sleep, love sheep. Yeah. And I think it's because of the unlimited. You know getting that that repeated exposure to it and now you know we're you know we're um, both uh, summit life members of the wild sheep foundation we're life members of the state foundation uh, we're chadwick ram society members of the wild sheep foundation and we put them in our will and that that's because we've become advocates you know we want to give back the unlimited hunting has completely structured your life yeah the unlimited gave us that repeated exposure so that you became, you know, that, you know, it became that big a part of our life to where you would make that commitment. Yeah. And I, I don't think that would happen 
if I didn't have that. You know, if I lived in Alaska or somewhere where I could go all Maybe. the time. But in Montana, you know, if we were one and done. Now, I know there's guys in Wyoming and these other places that do become advocates. They may draw. But I, I also see a lot of membership, you know, from the guys that have already drawn. Um, I'm not sure the guys that haven't are always as, you know, we're seeing more and more. But That's uh, right. You know, uh, you know, to become a true, you know, dyed in the wool where you're willing to, you know, give up some of your money and everything else um, time or, or all of it <laughs> time and talent all your money yeah <laughs> i think time. i saw one time what's uh, some statistic on alaska and uh, the guys that hunt sheep like 25 percent of their income goes into it or something because yeah, air, airplane you know <laughs> all that. Uh, it, believe it or not it's not always some of the most hardcore sheep hunters aren't and uh some of the you know aren't the oil billion oh no it's uh, some people that really prioritize oh for sure i mean i know a bunch of guys that first um you know, I always say when I see a bum going down the to do. you know, down the street um, in Billings, they're getting not politically I correct. I say, well, there's an old old, old sheep hunter. I got nothing left. <laughs> yeah. But a great, but he's got a great story. Where is all his ramp horns? You should see his that guy's trophy work too. So yeah, that's a good good problem to have. Good problem to have. Absolutely. Hey, if if my office looked like your studio. I would I would have that contemplation with myself as well. Yeah, you know the studio is. You got, I try to make it to where I can enjoy being there because I spend so many hours there. But I, when it's all said and done, I love being out out and about out in the wilderness and and um, so I, I'm very fortunate. I get to I'm living my dream. I really am. That's a that's a pure way of looking at it, man. Well, thanks for everything, all the mentorship and encouragement and friendship and. Uh, I'm really excited to come back and talk talk more bronze with you. You bet. Well, thanks, Pete. This yeah. has been fun. It means a lot. Thanks, Tim.